0: Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chung. Happy holidays and happy new years, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this much needed time with friends and family. On this particular episode, I took a brief trip to London to visit some friends and see some art. While there, I had the chance to chat with Ariel Renee Jackson. Ariel is currently pursuing her MFA at UT Austin, but was able to spend a semester studying in London at the Royal College of Art. Ariel and I first met while Ariel was visiting Berlin. Both of us presented a snippet of our work at Das Kapital, a bar in Neukölln. Ariel and I bonded over being the only people of color in that space, which we touch upon in our conversation. Ariel's work uses installations and videos to situate her practice into ideas of spatial matters as black matters, while understanding landscape as palimpsests something reused or altered, but still bearing visible traces of its earlier form. Ariel's work has been shown in spaces such as the Studio Museum in Harlem, the DePaul Art Museum in Chicago, and the Contemporary Art Center in New Orleans. Ariel is also part of an upcoming exhibition at Sculpture Center in Long Island City. The title of the show is Other Objects and opens January 14th. Go ahead and check out her work if you are in the neighborhood. I had so much fun chatting with Ariel that I lost track of time and we ended up with a long interview. We discussed the presentation of violence, catering art for white people, And our thoughts on residencies. I hope you enjoy this.
1: That's really weird. Yeah, and it's just it's it's interesting too. I can't speak for other schools like Goldsmith, but at the RCA, whenever you start thing, if you're a first year, which for me it's weird because I'm a second year, but um, I'm coming in like a first year, and so you have to do inductions. Which inductions. Induction. Uh, what is it? <laughs> it sounds like you're being inducted into a cult. Uh, I don't know. it's Just, uh, but no, inductions are basically a series of trainings. Okay. So you don't kill yourself.
0: Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. What
1: trainings? L- oh, so, like, like, yeah.
0: like in the woodshop, metal shop, like exactly. don't kill yourself. Okay, I yeah. think I meant like depression. That's what I, you- <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Is that depressed? <laughs> the British people are that depressed. <laughs> <laughs> that thing, sorry, things will get That was sad. the first thing that came to my mind. So, <laughs> I'm, will clearly, get sad. I'm clearly stereotyping. Sorry, British people.
1: No, it's okay. Actually, yeah, I don't think of depression when I think of British people.
0: But I think of like all the, the it's always dark. There's it's no sun, sad. right? So, sun deprivation. So, depression from that.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I got here in October, it was still sunny. Let's see. Let me count my months November. November. It wasn't until November now that it starts getting dark, but I think it lasts for a long Forever. time. Forever, yeah. yeah. My <laughs> friend, my, my friend
0: said, it "Was like today was cloudy. We went to Camden Lock, Camden Lock,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it, you know today was cloudy, but he's like, you know, this was today's a bright day." For
1: yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> you know? That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is and my thing is it's always rainy like there's always a mist yeah you're always a little wet yeah and that's what makes it really sad for me yeah
0: i kind of like it It's the one day that it, it was doing it which is today
1: yeah i was going to say if you i mean i'm not surprised that you're saying that walking around with all this equipment cuz i'm just like well when I went to camden it
0: was just it was just with the, by myself with the okay. jackets yeah
1: yeah but yeah
0: the camden was interesting we mm it's like a weird tourist thing and now there's like a huge market with food and uh, specialty shops like clothing stores by like they're like i guess done by one person or small boutique stores yeah. it was really interesting and then like a lots of tourist thing my friend got like his initials made out of pictures from British landmarks, you that know, like, so adorable. you know, like, <laughs> like they take, like they, they take picture of an abbey, but then like it's cropped so that you just mm. have an L, like mm. the abbey is the L and then it goes, yeah, like, like kitschy things like that. And yeah. then, and then we walked into this weird techno store. Mm-hmm. It was like booming really loud. We walked in, there's like two go-go dancers in the top back end of the wall. But like, it was confusing because like people of all ages and types were walking in, so are you oh you went there? No, but
1: but that 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 phenomenon of like there being different ages for something that you know is inappropriate yeah. for all ages. We'll, we'll get this. <laughs> all right,
0: so we go in and then the first floor is like weird trinkets, random random, I guess, like quote unquote cool toys. Mm-hmm. You go down the second floor and there's like a DJ playing, and then I realize it's all like rave clothing, like you could buy like mesh mesh T-shirts, like. Really, really short crop tops, yeah. um, things are silvery, Thing made out of like polyurethane, like backpacks with with um, lights on them.
2: Yeah. I and, mean, ke- and then
0: you keep walking and then you make a left into uh, the third dungeon and then you're now in like a sex and fetish shop.
1: I'm sorry, you said dungeon?
0: I am calling it dungeon because okay. it's it's all like it's all like dark black light. It means clean. It's like mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's like hip, but it it's dark because it's of yeah. all the black lights to make everything look like
1: So you're descending. You're, you're descending. Like yeah. into the bowels yeah. of this.
0: Like you go in the the the, the <laughs> second basement is like pretty quite long and huge and then at the very end is like the third dungeon and then you're like oh we're like there's all these like fetish objects here and
1: I think I think our American is showing because yeah because we're like I, we're like
0: we're kind of like shocked we're like
1: oh my goodness oh well I was like this is
0: where all the Germans get all their outfits at Bergheim and all the all the all the sex oh clubs my
1: gosh. but all the while you're passing up all these kids while you have all your sex toys and yeah <laughs> there's
0: nothing that says like age limit I didn't see any
1: mm. but that's what I think that's what separates like you know the Americas from yeah. Europe, mm-hmm. is that, like, I remember when I first went to, when I went to Germany for the first time, yeah. my mom was stationed in uh, this military town okay. called, called Kaiserslautern, uh-huh. and and she was warning us, we were taking the, the, the train or something, she was warning us, like, don't be shocked, you know, um, because things are very different here in terms of how people um, understand the body and And all this kind of stuff. And so as soon as she said that, the train came to a stop. We looked out the side of the window, and we saw this um, billboard of a man totally nude with, like, a banana where his penis should be. And it's, like, covered with a condom, and it's like, stay safe. (laughs) And me and and my sister were like, oh,
0: (laughs) okay. Well, you know, the American version of that is just, like, showing a whole bunch of babies and a mom that's, like, really unhappy. So that's the American version of that. So I
1: wanna I, I'm so interested in that difference. Yeah. Because like, okay, Germany, naked guy, very sexy, banana, condom, yeah. stay safe. Like, why why is that he's like
0: the predator there? Is he? I don't know. right? Like, was that, was that, that's, is, that's
1: what I'm like questioning. You, you do, do you think he's not? I don't think he is. I think it's sort of like, we know you want to have a good time, but be safe about it. Mm. Whereas in America, it's like, you should never have a good time. That's the puritanic. Like, yeah, yeah. You should never have a good time. If you do, and always, this it, will be you. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's know? pointing at the woman. Yeah, pointing out the woman, like, this will be you. You will, And, and then also it's targeting women, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas on, on this side, like, even just you talking about there being these straight crowds, like there's this sexy man. Like who, like who's the target for that? Yeah. And it, it becomes like a series of questions, like I don't I guess it's anybody who wants to be with this man yeah. should be safe about it. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. But yeah, it's I think that's been the most fascinating thing about being here.
0: And you think Britain's so much a Germany in that respect? In terms of Um I assume Britain's more prude.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know, I don't know if the UK fits in the whole, because when I think of Europe, I don't think of the UK. <laughs>
0: well, it's no longer, it <laughs> no, no longer it is far, right? Thanks, Brexit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, when I think of Europe, I just, I think of like Italy, Spain, yeah, yeah. you know, Germany, but the UK is like, almost like this, this weird step sibling of America. Where it's like an alternate universe, mm-hmm. like you know the fact that tampons are called napkins
0: here. Yeah, I didn't know that. You didn't
1: know that they. Is this- I mean, they 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 know what you're talking about if you ask for a napkin,
0: but they'll laugh at you
1: if you're if you're not American. I think they would laugh at you, mm. but I think if you are American and you have the accent, they would just be like, oh. Because, you know, American language is the world language. Yeah. Um, and so when you say napkin or whatever, what's what's the comedian who took over the Daily, Daily Trevor Show? Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. I, have like, you, I like him a lot. Have you seen his newest stand-up? Sit. No, I haven't. You should watch it. Yeah. He, he talks about getting tacos for the first time in L.A. and... He's like he's never had a taco, so he's going. He's going there. He's like, I don't know how many I should get. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. He he asks for no. The the guy in the taco truck is like, do you want a napkin? And he's like, what? <laughs> like, he's, like, he's like, why would I need a napkin? <laughs> he's like because it's gonna what, get what, everywhere. Wait, but what do
0: they ta- What do they call napkins here then? Tissues.
1: The uh, sir, they call serviettes.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And so napkins
0: only refer to tampons.
1: Yeah. Okay. Or like diapers, or like something that you need to like. I wonder how
0: many how many um waiters I've asked for a napkin for.
1: <laughs> I <don't> know.
0: <laughs> I didn't see anyone laugh, so. <laughs>
1: no, because maybe I, I, yeah. <laughs> again, like yeah. the American language, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. it's not. I don't. I don't think anybody really cares. I have. I'm bitter- sure. I'm sure you, they get the a kick out of it, though. They probably do. They probably go back to their yeah, friends and yeah, like, yeah. guess what this can yeah. I curse on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, guess what this dumbass American said? <laughs> <stuff." laughs> they asked me for a napkin. How yeah. gross. <laughs> like um, no, but I, I I remember and I still get this. Every once in a while I'll see one of my one of my um one of my friends that I've made here, they'll be like, Hey y'all like, you know, they think that's funny. Oh, really? You say y'all because they think of it as a country thing. Hmm. And it's weird, right? Like, because I don't think about it as country. I think about it as...
0: Informal language.
1: Informal language. That's a good way to put it. And so when I was, when I first got here, it was mostly like being introduced via text on WhatsApp and they were telling the exchange student that was going to Texas in my place, like, you know, you're going to come back sounding country like saying y'all. And I'm trying to introduce myself in a WhatsApp group. So I'm just like, well, how do oh shit, well, what do I do now? Because like, I just want to say, hey y'all. <laughs> so I just was like, whatever, man. Yeah. I'm just going to be myself. So I Pins- said, hey y'all. P-
0: Pittsburgh's yin's. What is it? Yin's. What are yin's doing? Y I N Z. That's the Pittsburgh slang.
1: No. <laughs> Not acceptable.
0: <laughs> don't go to Pittsburgh then.
1: What are
0: doing? Yeah, what are Yins doing?
1: No. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Because I can't. Pittsburghers
0: are called yinzers.
1: America's so fascinating. <laughs> mm.
0: All right, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, well, well uh, why don't you talk a bit about how you got into art, where you grew up?
3: Oh, gosh.
0: You don't have to. We could talk about your upcoming uh, show at the Sculpture Center, which also, you know, shout out to that. Yeah. People go to that in January, right?
1: Yeah, January um, 14th Mm -hmm. is the opening. And so I'm really excited about being in that show. How'd you get it? Um I applied.
0: Wait, there's an open call? <laughs> an open wait, call. wait. I didn't hear every, every year. Every I, year really? since
1: the 90s. I
0: did not know about this.
1: <laughs> you should apply. <laughs> yeah. I think you would be great with it. Yeah.
0: So. I, didn't, I didn't know the sculpture center had open. All right. So you you apply to Star Fellowship and I applied so, yeah. to Sculpture Center. Open yes.
1: Because yeah. I had no idea that existed. Um, yeah, no, they do an open call and so they have a curator that is in residence there, mm-hmm. and it's the curator who is choosing the artists. And then from that selection, they sort of, I, I don't, I, 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 I'm assuming here, because the curator didn't tell me like how they went about choosing. But what it seemed like is that the curator, whoever the curator is, is looking for similarities between
0: artists. Okay, that's how they always do it. Right. And mm-hmm. so... Or their theme.
1: Yeah, and then they develop a theme out yeah. of that. But you know, of course, it's according to what the curator is interested in. Yeah. Um. So we have G. Wesley, and he.
0: How do you spell G? G E E. G E. Okay.
1: Yeah, and so he actually he he works at the art space Recess. Are you familiar with that space?
0: Um. Recess. I've I've seen all their. I think newsletters on eflux.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So he works at Recess, and I've been following Recess for a long time, and um, and I think they're in a new space right now, because originally they were in, they might still be in the south part of Manhattan, but anyway. So G. Wesley is the curator in residence, and he he has titled the show Other Objects. Okay. And so the idea of it is to explore the slippage between um the figure and material and yeah. the object. And so you know the other object being sort of in place of the other. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about being in a show with that concept because, I mean, that is what I'm. That is what I'm sort of. Tackling, I don't know. I don't want to use that word, but
0: investigating, yeah, like yeah, I'm trying to sort of
1: figure out like what are what are the techniques of sort of protecting the body Mm. while also allowing it to be vulnerable because I just think we have way too much access right now. Like, I just I keep thinking of how many times have I seen a dead body in the last, like, in the past two, three years? Way too many.
0: Like just a on, person online. Online, yeah.
1: Online, or just like being circulated. Um, and so I think I've gotten to a point where I'm just like, enough. Like, mm-hmm. it's you know, and it's and it's weird because I think like I understand the need to present that kind of violence to let people know that it's happening. But at the same time, America is very much like desensitized to violence, I think. Um, oh,
0: it it kind of goes back to the difference mm. in Europe, in the U.S., right? Because especially with like R-rated ratings or whatever. I'm not sure if they have R-rated ratings in Europe. But like like sex is more okay here and violence is deemed more inappropriate, Whereas the opposite because of our puritanical roots, roots yeah. especially the female, female genitalia is absolutely off limits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but violence is okay. Like we can have as much death, murder, blood, and that's, you know, I that's think. That's the
1: American yeah. way. And uh, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, so I'm excited about being in that show because because it's in America. Mm-hmm. I feel like it wouldn't really be a big deal if it was here because they're sort of at that point like how we're talking about it but i think in america it's it's also if you if you take that position of like okay let's maybe dial back from focusing on the figure and think about materials and objects and exploring these topics
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's i think there are some people who think that that is a sign of regression and not progress mm-hmm and I've it's weird cuz being here like I was I was telling you like the the art world here I think is kind of tame and maybe that was a wrong word I think it's the priorities are different hmm. here and those priorities are and still and not still but like an emphasis on material and so it feels like it's stuck in the past because that's where we've come well, materiality
0: from. is a conservative yeah at this point in the art world i think it's quite conservative to to focus strictly on materiality
1: right so i agree with that but then i'm like that's why the show is so great because it's thinking about the slippage Mm -hmm. it's thinking about okay not being on either side not you know putting forth the figure in this spectacle in a spectacular way and then also like almost at times recreating that trauma, that violence mm-hmm. that bodies are experiencing, but then not like totally negating the body and just talking about material and expecting people to get there. So yeah, so anyway, that's a promotion <laughs> of the Sculpture Center, yeah. which opens January
0: 14th. Yeah, and you're still figuring it out.
1: And uh well, it's pretty much figured out. Like I was telling you before, the the work that I make specifically the installation projects that I do are in response to the space. Mm -hmm. And so the most successful installations I've done have been a mixture of problem solving and a mixture of having resolution. Mm -hmm. And so resolution is for me figuring out what the key moments are the yeah. things that need to happen mm-hmm. um the shadow the negation the, yeah. the 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 grid yeah the sort of parameters like yeah. finding a point in which the grid starts yeah. and then where that grid continues yeah. um can you
0: describe the piece that you're going to show there
1: yeah so the piece is video installation um a video projected onto a spherical a spherical object that is covered with soil Um, that is suspended. And the video is, is me using a grass cutting tool that my grandparents used to use on their, on their farm. And so I've repurposed it, adding chalk on the bottom of the tool and using that to draw a circle. And then I sort of erase the, erase the circle and present an image in its place. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of, you know, thinking about What what does it look like for me having, you know, being part of a legacy of farmers? What does it look like for me to continue that legacy within an artistic context? So, yeah, getting back to the original thing, like my life story, like many moons ago. Yeah. uh, um, So I'm I'm originally from New Orleans. I was born in Monroe. (laughs) <laughs> and, Monroe uh, Louisiana. Monroe Louisiana. Yeah, I was born in Monroe Louisiana. And it is swampy there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of plants. Um and it kind of smells like fart.
0: So But we need that. Everything's dying off.
1: No, not not those not good, plants, so? not no, good plants. Not good plants. No, it's not good plants. It's like plants like that they have chemicals.
0: Oh, chemical oh, okay. plants. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> There's a lot of also just plant plants.
1: There are a lot of plant plants, but That's, um, oh wait,
0: sorry, I didn't know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. Language yeah.
0: language falls apart.
1: Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I should have mentioned the chemical part, but yeah, definitely chemical plants.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it smells like fart. But no, 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 dissing people from Monroe. I was only born there though, so I can't really rep it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm from New Orleans. But my family, my mother's family is from rural Louisiana. And they my mom comes from a farming family and they farmed rice and soybeans and crawfish. Mm-hmm. And I uh, you know, growing crawfish, that's a
0: phrase. Oh, it is?
1: I mean, I'm just saying it's a it's like I've I've grown up hearing that, just like, you know, growing crawfish. Mm-hmm. But after I've mentioned it several times outside of Louisiana, people are sort of like what How do you you grow crawfish? Yeah, It's like, yeah, you plant them in the fields, so you cover it with water, and then they sort of they come out looking for food huh. and then they come they basically go into the trap. And uh, yeah, so and they have this a similar thing in in parts of Asia. And so like in New Orleans there's a large Vietnamese community, and they always have crawfish
0: hmm.
1: all year round. And I love them for that.
0: They're so good. Oh my gosh. With, with hot sauce? Uh, sure. No? <laughs>
1: no, no, no. Yeah.
0: There's you, hot there's sauce. I mean the, sauce. W- the ways I've had them, I I've had them a lot in um and when I was in LA. Mm-hmm. And it's like it was like they steamed it and then they just put it in the back and then they put like mm-hmm. the hot sauce or whatever sauce and then you just like mix it in the bag and then you pick it out of like the plastic it's like a plastic paper bag.
1: They do something like that in Houston. Yeah. And uh it's it's intense. The way that I'm used to them is, you know, they, they boil it in some kind of, like, roux sauce mm-hmm. or whatever. And, you know, they put, like, a bag, sort of like a, a bag of seasoning yeah. in the water so it just it gets infused in. And then we just, like, kind of make our own little dipping sauces. My favorite is vinegar and zatarain.
0: What's zatarain?
1: Zatarain's is, like, a, a Creole seasoning. Okay. It's just, like, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um... But I loved it. One of my aunts would do mayonnaise, mayonnaise, mayonnaise and Zatarans. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, you could do whatever you yeah, want. You can, yeah, and yeah. You could put some hot sauce. I, I, I'm pretty sure my sister put hot sauce yeah. in her in her little mixture. But you kind of just make your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, in Houston, I know what you're talking about. They would put it in a bag. Yeah. And then you would pick it out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. So my family does did that. They had about 300 acres of land but in the 80s and 90s there were a series of loans that were targeted at black and brown farmers and it basically increased their their interest rate
0: they owned the land though why did they need the loans
1: they needed loans for equipment oh okay so they owned the land but they yeah. needed loans for the equipment and because at this time like smaller farmers like in order for you to be a profitable farmer you basically have to be a business person yeah um yeah. and so you're
0: competing with globalization right exactly yeah
1: so with that being competitive so a lot of people like my grandfather and my grandmother took out these loans and they have very limited education because you know racism yeah, <laughs> and Racism. Um, and so the loans basically were racist and uh, there was actually a case called pigford versus glickman and it was essentially a group of black farmers that basically came forward and, and had enough evidence to say that, you know, these loans are indeed racist. These are
0: banks? Who is it? Government? Who's, um, who's behind it?
1: It is the, oh, okay.
0: Sorry, well, we can look it up.
1: Yeah, we should Yeah, just curious, we should definitely look but, it up. Yeah. If you look up the case, yeah, Pigford, yeah. Uh, like Pig and Ford trucks, Pickford versus Glickman, it will tell you everything you okay. need to know. But it definitely was a it was a, a civil uh lawsuit. lawsuit. Yeah. So it was but anyway, so my grandparents were part of that. My grandfather had died at that point, and they had they had to have to they had to sell the land. All um of those. all pretty much all of it. Wow. It's funny, we we kept forty five acres, which is very ironic because Abraham Lincoln promised black people 45 acres of Oh a really? Meal.
0: Jeez Christ. I know.
1: Isn't that like Kadoosh? Yeah. <laughs> So we had 45 acres. Essentially my grandmother, no my 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 grandfather had to sell that land in order to keep the
0: house. Hmm. So well, she owned the house on the land that was sold. Yes. Hmm.
1: They owned the house, but in order to keep the house either the house had to go or the land had to go. So the land went. Fortunately, they sold the land to a family friend. So it's sort of like, I mean, he's hes a white guy, but he's, of he, he's known them since he was born. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. So for me, it's like a weird relationship with this guy because I'm just like.
0: And he still owns it.
1: Yeah, he still owns it. He owns a lot of land. He, What he does, he, he's a dust cropper. He flies a plane uh-huh. and he dusts crops with fertilizer and pesticide and he does that for his own land and he does that for other people's land mm-hmm. because you need a license to fly so in a plane yeah exactly and he <laughs> has a lot of planes and he has a license so uh, he has the equipment he yeah. has the machinery whereas my grandparents didn't because yeah and because they didn't have a lot of education they weren't able to read the loans find like that that's what sort of made these loans like diabolical yeah. Because they were being issued to people who they knew didn't have enough education to be able to read through the fine yeah. print. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this happened during the 80s and 90s. And so I think in like 95, 96 is when my grandmother finally got some money back through the lawsuit. But then she, it wasn't enough. Yeah, It was like enough to sort of like maintain the house and like make sure that the house was secured. So we have the house and we have the 45 acres. But that that 300 is...
0: Is the house on the 45 acres? Or yes. It, okay, yeah, okay. it
1: is. It is. So, I mean, it's essentially been reduced to a garden in a backyard, yeah. a ranch, maybe. Yeah. Not even a ranch, but like a very limited plot of land. And so I found a tool on that land, which is probably why like in the spoken word that accompanies a video, I say I found a foot today because mm-hmm. it's just... It, it it it's part of a violent scene in my mind. Yeah, you know, but yeah. So that's that's my background, and that's sort of that's why my work looks the way it does. Yeah. Um, because I'm so interested in using the um, using aesthetics to think about navigating a system that implies something more complex, mm-hmm. but using very simplistic means of navigating it. Because yeah. I'm almost like reenacting my grandparents and sort of trying to seek some kind of vengeance and solace. Uh, is that the right word? Like, yeah. Just sort of like, us, yeah. yeah. With what has happened. Cause mm. I, that's what they did. Cause I mean, it was, my grandfather died for a, he, he, he kind of get got to a point where he kind of gave up on life. He lost a lot of his kids in really tra- tragic ways, but then the selling of the land i think is what really broke him that and losing one of his youngest sons who had plans on trying to get the land back mm. so it's just like he lost all hope for that yeah and my grandmother is just sort of she was sort of like you know the the invisible aspect of the farming because yeah. when you think of farms i i i think most people think of men and they don't think of the women who are married to the men or the daughters mm-hmm. or even the sisters or whatever, yeah. because my grandmother was there with them. Yeah. My mother would be confused with a boy because she was like in the field with the guys, you know, doing stuff. And so for me, I'm kind of like purposefully being invisible, but also remaining present
3: mm-hmm. kind of
1: in the same way that she did cuz yeah. like all the photographs of my grandpa who's the, who's a the photographer <laughs> you
3: <You're, know? laughs> Yeah.
1: Like who's the photographer? Who's who's documenting all this stuff? My grandmother was obsessed with having images of her family, but it was mostly of the men cuz mm-hmm. she was the one who was documenting it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, so that's my background is very infused with the work that I make, but it it doesn't it doesn't take front stage cuz mm-hmm. I'm not interested in making autobiographical work. Mm. And it's not something that interests me because I think that's. It's what do you? I guess what are yeah. you defining as
0: autobiographical? Because I see it if if you show me the work before you said that statement, you are not interested in autobiographical. When I saw the piece you just showed me, I would say it is, but it's interesting that you say it is. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: I guess when I think about autobiographical, I think of I think of specifics because when I think of when I when I read autobiographies or if I listen to someone. Yeah, you know, like when I talk about it, it becomes uh, autobiographical. But I'm not interested in in it presenting itself yeah. in that way traditionally. Yeah, I guess I'm sort of like I'm challenging what what that can look like, mm-hmm. what that can be. Yeah, like does it need to be specific?
0: <clears throat> yeah, I guess I guess I in my maybe maybe just in my mind I I see autobiography as potentially unspecific. Especially, in, especially mm-hmm. in the art world, right? Yeah. Like in your text, you like I found the foot, so it's implied. Even if it's not like a vast autobiography, it's like maybe a day in the life of, mm. of you, of you, because you've you've identified yourself as as, as the I, as opposed to a foot was found, mm. right?
1: That's interesting.
0: Um, an action was done. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, like, I, I I guess like. Even though it is autobiographical, I want to leave that up to somebody else to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in talking about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that is that is the mode that I am working in. Yeah. I will bow down to that. But I think for me, I'm interested in sort of pulling out. So, okay, um, black feminist epistemology is sort of like it makes the assertion that experience is a form of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so experience could be sort of like autobiographical, but in thinking about it as experience, as like sort of like a testimony, like that is a form of gathering information. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's how I think about it. Mm. I don't necessarily think about it as like, you know, here's a day in the life of me. This is me presenting information. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's sort of how I...
0: Maybe that's also just my mind, because everything that I do... In my head is pretty autobiographical, even though there it's like op- opaque as fuck.
1: Yeah, I was gonna, I was, I was yeah, I was <laughs> you know? gonna say because I mean, like, it's 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 interesting that you are interested in, <laughs> in autobiographical. Yeah, but I always,
0: I, I rarely use the word I.
1: You, yeah, exactly. Because you know? the video that you showed at um, what's that bar called?
0: Yeah. Um, das Kapital.
1: Das Kapital. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, the the work that you showed for the what is what was it what what what, what event was that
0: group critique group
1: critique okay yeah
0: open group critique open critique. especially open to white racist Germans yeah
1: (laughs) are we gonna are we gonna unpack that right now (laughs) (laughs) because that was wild. Oh, my gosh. I was so upset that night. But I just want to finish my thought before we go there. Um, (laughs) But, like, in thinking about the video that you presented, I mean, it's – I could sense that it was definitely coming from a personal place. Mm -hmm. But I didn't – and I knew that it was sort of coming from you. But because – you're right. Because you're not saying I and you're not sort of, like, putting yourself front and center. You're putting – the sort of the exploration and the investigation of like, you know, these colors yeah. front and center. And so it's mm. it's interesting. It's like, it's almost, like I think we're like entering it from two different yeah.
0: viewpoints viewpoints. Yeah. Because
1: for me, I'm not interested in specifics necessarily. <laughs> and for you, it's like the specifics are front and center, <laughs> yeah. which is interesting. Because I've been like, I've been struggling with that because my fear... I think, I think my fear is sort of what happened that night for you, where they sort of like took that information mm, yeah. and started
0: Yeah, saying that bananas are from Africa.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Started like showcasing their racism. <clears throat> and I'm like, I don't care about, I don't, I don't care about you talking about how you're ignorant, yeah. you know, and, and that's something that I, I fear or no, it's not, I don't fear it. I have little patience for it. Yeah. That's what it is for me. I have little patience for it and I don't want to have those conversations. Yeah. And I don't think you do either. Yeah. But I do think those conversations end up happening. Yeah. Because, again, like thinking about the philosopher, that, or is he a philosopher? Theorist Edward Gleason? Mm-hmm. you know, that right to opacity, that right to not having to explain yourself. Yeah. Like if you if you don't know what this is, then shame on you yeah <laughs> or just like it's okay could really, like,
0: really talk about that Edward Gleason no just describe the the issue about opacity that you told me earlier
1: Oh yeah so Edward Gleason talks about the right to opacity in thinking about how oftentimes black and brown people are sort of, Acts to explain themselves when they're presenting something that is not common knowledge, but could be common knowledge for them yeah. in their community. And so that right to opacity, I think, this is my interpretation, I think he's saying that you don't have to explain yourself. You, you don't have to sit there and educate people about yeah. who you are, because that's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. Um you decide what you're interested in and you investigate, you research. And also it's sort of like pointing, pointing out to me the fact that black and brown people know white history because we're sort of forced to learn it. Mm-hmm. But our infor- the information that we present in, like, and I'm thinking about black and brown artists and creative people, the, the information that we're presenting in our work is available. It's just not more, more,
0: more, so now than ever.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thank you, internet.
0: Um, thank you, Amazon.
1: Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon Prime, two-day shipping. <laughs> thank you, airplanes. If Amazon wants to you support know?
0: this podcast,
1: <laughs> respect. Um, yeah, it's 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 a matter of. It's a matter the right to opacity, I think, is identifying that, you know, some information, there's a hierarchy in mm-hmm. terms of yeah. what information people know, have access to. And that's not the problem of the individual. That is a problem of society. The, si- the system, yeah. The si- yeah, system yeah. and society. Yeah. And so I think that right to opacity is sort of claiming your right as an individual. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not your fault yeah. that. People don't know this information. Yeah, and specifically for creatives, I'm thinking about I'm I'm thinking about it in terms of you know, that's not what we're here for necessarily. In terms of like we're not we're not here to like make work and then sit there and explain it. I mean, we're invited to talk about it and explain it, and it becomes like you know what we're doing right now. But when you go into a, mu- a museum and whatnot, like you're, you're not going to get explanations and you're, you're invited to sort of throw yourself into the work Mm -hmm. and then maybe look into it if you feel like it relates to you. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what I understand as being the right to opacity. Mm, Um, and I really, I believe, I believe in it. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, I do so much research, but, The way that it makes it into the work is through response. Yeah. It's like I'm responding to this information as opposed to presenting it, which I love work that does that, but I just, I feel like for me, that sort of me sort of being aware of this unspoken manifesto that I'm writing for myself, Mm -hmm. that I'm, I don't, I don't want to go there because I don't want to be a teacher while I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> like this <is> bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, yeah. It's so much energy. I mean, that's just,
0: I mean that's sort of the thing that I struggle with. Kind of like what you said, like by me, you know, talking about the work that I do, it allows people to input themselves in it. And I, but I feel like I can't really get around that no matter how mm. I do it without being didactic. Mm. You know, and sort of like I can be very didactic, or I could you know, attempt to be poetic and, you know, whatever choice you make, is like someone says, oh, that's too didactic or or, this is like trying too hard to be poetic, you know, and like you can't ever win. And I think I made the choice to be like, I'd rather be called out for being too poetic Mm. than being called out for being too didactic. Mm. And and this podcast is largely a response to that to be like, this is actually my views of a lot of these things that's happening. (laughs) <laughs> so I can be as a didactic as I want on this. and I love it. You know? Yeah. But, and also thinking about, I, I love the idea of, like, the right to opacity. I mean, it's, it's com- it's like, you know, I think a lot about, like, um, films in terms of, like, having to explain yourself, right? And, like, why film is racist. And that's, it's so difficult to explain that, I realize. Mm. You know? Like,
1: uh, like when, when you say th- that film is racist, you're saying that film is racist or... or-
0: I'm saying the film is okay, racist, yeah. but then like a lot of white people are like, "No, that's a great film."
1: Oh, you know, and, okay, yeah. And then
0: like it, that, but like the fact that you have to explain that is a different kind of a, opa- and like it's sometimes easier to like just not have to say anything.
1: And I mean, you know? you know, honestly, the the fact that anyone would refute or just say like, "No, you're wrong," yeah, like it is
0: this. But I think, you know? but I think, but I think the right when I think of the right the opacity, is more like even. A lot of people I met when I do explain it, it's like you quickly realize that your lived experiences are so vastly different mm. that to even to begin to explain why a certain film is racist is like a deconstruction of racism, basically.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Or yeah. like, or the inverse of that of of that would be the most recent example that I keep coming back to is like why people don't get Get Out, and it's like. To have they to? don't. I don't think they do. do what?
1: It? it 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 is it is explaining itself as it's like yeah. on the
0: screen. <laughs> well, I mean, so I mean, so like that's so where do you go from there, right?
1: You <laughs> can't be helped. Okay, where, where where do you go
0: from there, right? Like I've heard critiques like the dialogue's not like um, realistic, the acting's bad, like just like what? And yeah, and you're just like I don't know what you know, or like I don't get it. Right. And sort of like and these are all well-meaning white liberals because that's who the film targeting. Like no, no, no racist white person's actually going to watch Get Out. Right.
1: You know what? Funny thing about Get Out, the two times that I, so I saw Get Out twice in theaters. I saw it the third time I saw it on my own in my grandma's house with my little cousins (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. Okay.
0: hope you aren't renting a house.
1: I wasn't scared. They were. (laughs) Because one of my cousins lives like right next door. But Mm -hmm. because it's like middle of nowhere, it's Mm -hmm. pitch black outside. Mm -hmm. And you know, the guy who's like running. Yeah. So um, he was, he was being like a little jerk to me. and. As soon as the film ended, he was like, walk me home. I was like, walk yourself home. I hope you don't get got. <laughs> and, like, and, and he was just so terrified. He ran so fast. <laughs> anyway, the, the two times that I saw it in the theaters, yeah. uh, I mean, it was so enjoyable. Because... Yeah.
0: Because you were mo- the only one who had got it?
1: No. Both of the theaters were full of black people. Uh. And it was like it actually felt scary. Yeah. Like as a group, we were yeah. just like, no, don't do that. Like yeah. you know, like like how you how people respond to like scream, like don't go in that door. Yeah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. It was like yeah, it, but but even more, even more specific to you know like. Nah, she's gonna trick you, man. She's that, that white girl's gonna trick you. Like, you know, like, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like, just yeah, yeah. people just being in the audience, like, yeah, you're a dumbass. Like, the, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> like,
1: and I loved it. I lived for it. I felt like, I was like, yes. I was like, finally, a horror film that really feels real. Mm-hmm. Because I would challenge any of those, like, well meaning white liberals and be like, Scream was not scary. Scream was unrelatable, mm-hmm. unrealistic. I don't know anybody who talks like that. Like, you know, like the same could be said for that. And all that does is like, it highlights the fact that that is a different experience. Yeah. I saw this um, documentary. It's these kids who did a a documentary to find out who, like, who drew a penis on like all these faculty cars. It's on Netflix. I forget what it's called, but the school that this that these kids go to is yeah. unreal to me. Like uh-huh. it's just it just seems like it's it it seems like Degrassi came to life. You know Degrassi, no.
0: right? No, remind me.
1: Degrassi was is like a Canadian like show that was really big on like Nickelodeon. Was it on Nickelodeon? It's Ooh. not ringing a bell. I, I, I have, I've Drake. Heard... You know Drake was
0: on. On Degrassi. Yeah. Oh. Okay. No.
1: Okay. All right. Um, I know who Drake
0: is. I didn't know that he was on it.
1: Saved I, by the Bell. Okay. Saved by the Bell.
0: What about Saved by the Bell?
1: So it was kind of like that. Oh, okay, that. okay, okay. It was kind of like that, but real.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And it, it just, it was so bizarre. I was like, mm. I remember I was texting my friend. I was like, this can't be real. Yeah. I was like, this is this must be fake. Like, yeah. people don't actually live like this. She was like, rich people live like this. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, yeah. I was like, that's why it just seems so fake. Yeah. Because you just, you if you don't live that experience... When you see it on the screen, it's just totally fake. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, it it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Because I, I then realized like all the crappy films where there's like nothing but white people living in very posh neighborhoods. Yeah. Was probably realistic to a lot of like to white people who have been in those neighborhoods. Yeah. Because yeah. I've never been in those neighborhoods yeah. in that way. Yeah. And I was like, it blew my mind. Yeah. I've never been in those spaces. Yeah. And so when Get Out happened, I was like, yeah, that's relatable. Like that yeah like that experience of then going into a (laughs) i love the word posh (laughs) that going into a really posh neighborhood and then just being sort of like something's off yeah that is so relatable to Mm -hmm. me and i just wish people would let it be that i wish they would just let sort of like this film didn't impact you because you don't live this yeah or like this artwork didn't impact you because you didn't live, you know, you, yeah. you, you don't relate to this or you have no empathy for it. But yeah. I feel like art demands more than a film. Really? Than a blockbuster film.
0: It's, I think it's it, hard. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I think it does. I mean, I think that's why people have little patience for art compared to like a blockbuster film. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. I mean, it depends, right? I guess who's, I guess which artists you're talking about.
1: You mean films? like, like Both, both. Oh, okay. Right. mm
0: I, I would argue that, like the, the I mean the the artists that in uh fine art, quote unquote fine art, whatever that means, um, the successful ones they distill their message to white people in the most easy to digest way. Mm, hmm. I think a lot of times. Hmm. You know.
1: What do you What do you think is the easy to digest? Like, what does that look like to you?
0: So I mean I think for instance like Kehinde Wiley does it really well. Wait what? Kehinde Wiley does it oh. right. It's like he's appropriating, like it, you know he works on multiple levels. He um, he's appropriating white way of painting, right? He's referring to the classical way of painting, putting the black body in, so it's not it's not too threatening. It's beautifully painted. A white person actually doesn't can possibly not give a shit about what Kehinde Wiley is saying and just like buy a pretty painting. Yeah. Kara Walker, too, is like cut out pieces of paper.
1: What? Really? You think Kara Walker, too?
0: I think it's easy to digest. It's so beautiful.
1: I think... Okay, so I think Kahindi Wiley's work, it doesn't not, and demand... Not, and not, and not,
0: not to knock. Oh, I'm just, no, I'm, just, I'm... But I'm saying like I'm their success is, I think, based on the fact that it's so easily digestible.
1: I mean, it's interesting that you say that because... Yeah, I think Kahindi, I think I think you're right about that. I would I would only add that I think Kahindi Wiley's work suffers from not having No, 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 no. There are people who talk about this. And essentially the way that I see Kehinde Wiley's work now, with all the research that I've been doing, is like black people have been in in like classical history. They've just been erased. But Um, what he's doing is sort of like using contemporary black people. It's not like he's sort of presenting these, um, you know, Roman emperors that came from North Africa. He's presenting. So that's why sort of I would want want to talk about his work in the former way, thinking about the North African Roman emperors that colonized Europe, but Uh, he's not going that direction. Yeah. But with Kara, with Kara Walker's work, I mean... I think she gave she gave a like lot Cara, of pleasure.
0: I like Kara more than can do, can do I white. do
1: too. But I also think that Kara Walker, um, her work uh, sort of like gives pleasure mm-hmm. to white people because it's talking about sex and desire between yeah. the black and white body, right? But, I mean, it, it challenges the hell out of black people yeah because it reminds them of that sex and power yeah so there's like a difference of sex and power and sex and desire so i mean
0: but that's what i mean right like it is
1: digestible it's
0: digestible specifically to the white
1: mm-hmm. audience
0: right like you said like it gives black people a hard time but the white people they love it mm-hmm. you know it's like if it, the, the yeah. body has been abstracted to the point that it's a silhouette it's not even a real body
1: Right. I mean, I, I worry about that constantly. I worry about if my work is catering to white people. Yeah. But at the same time, like I've been, I've been suggested by like white professors telling me to, you know, be more radical. Like they want me to be more radical, and it's like I feel like. Yeah. I feel like it's so relative to the time that yeah. you're in. And I feel like right now, like what's digestible for the white audience and galleries and institutions is that is artwork that is sort of explaining the spark notes of oppression.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it, it doesn't need to go any deeper than that. They just yeah. need to be reminded again yeah. and again that Black people or like Brown people have been enslaved. That they aren't, you know, they need to be reminded that they are oppressors. Yeah, and that is what is digestible right yeah. now. And I and and I, I'm so frustrated with that. Because what I feel like I'm doing right now, I am responding to the times in a sense that I am refusing to give, you know, my body and to give my, you know, oppression over to, you know, I refuse to hand it on a silver plate. Yeah. You know, and so back talking about Das Kapital and so the response to my work in it being like – what was it? The, the the person who works at the bar with, said something like,
0: "Your work reminds me of Glenn Glenn Ligon." Well,
1: oh God! Oh, oh, are, are, you no. first,
0: <laughs> are you Are you about another 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 so racist random. another racist thing that she that said? Is so
1: random. Yeah. How? How sway? Like.
0: <laughs> but no. Um, what else did she say? The
1: other the thing I was talking about, Uh-oh. you reminded me of something that um, the the thing I was thinking about was. Uh she was like, you know, your work the performance that I showed, so the performance was I dyed I, I I stitched together an American flag and I dyed it in denim blue and I suspended it and my friend Michael Love tap danced in front of the flag on on a bed of soil. In response, in tandem, mm-hmm. or in response to me reciting a poem by Langston Hughes called "Let America Be America Again," mm-hmm. so the person in the bar was saying that um, you know the work had everything. I'm paraphrasing. Had everything. Of course. <laughs> yeah, because it was like very simple what she said, but I'm giving her a lot more than that. But yeah. um. It had everything to be a protest piece, yeah. but it didn't have the feeling of a protest piece. Okay. She said something like, yeah. "It it wasn't, it wasn't like necessarily protesting, uh-huh. but it wasn't, it wasn't supporting either. It was sort of like, do you remember that? I don't remember that. No, it really stuck in my mind because yeah. I I was like, yeah, I think that's that's sort of how I understand being a Black American. Yeah, like I I don't know." My mom has a funny story.
0: Well you can't re- you can't like kneel, right? In a football game. What? You can't kneel at a football game, right? Yeah. Like what is protest? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Like what else do you want them to do? Exactly. Like Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's like to the most. that's that's
0: like the most mm. nonviolent act you could possibly ever do.
1: That's what it is. Right. So
0: like, okay, they can't kneel. Well, how do you want them to protest? They're like, Well, like in a non threatening way. Well, kneeling is probably as non threatening as you could possibly do.
1: Well, yeah, that's, so that's the thing. It's like, how can you be nonviolent? Because to be violent and to be, you know, um, uh, oh, I wish there was another word for in place of minority, because I really hate that, because it's not true. But in, for lack of a better word, I wonder, like, you know, how can uh, minorities be nonviolent while also sort of saying what what making the same getting the same outcomes as as if they were violent because Mm -hmm. for minority people if they are violent I mean there's so many repercussions and it's like you have only one life yeah and you could like basically throw that whole life away in a in a case where you are either deemed violent or you are you know making some room for yourself and and thus having to be violent in order to do so yeah. and i'm just wondering like is there is there a third way out is there you know and that's and if, and if
0: you're violent like laws will you know they'll go after you the government will go after you yeah
1: right? the government will go after you well, like like the whole or? like you
0: know like um like the laws about like open carry arms Mm. in cities, right? That mm-hmm. was targeted cuz of Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. Black Panther carried open they were allowed they're legally allowed to carry guns. They didn't do anything and then, you know, now. And then that have,
1: started being a thing.
0: Yeah, that started being a thing cuz like white people could do it, but as soon as black people do it, like we have to now make laws. Backlash. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's so so I'm like I I've been thinking about the coupling of two words, visible invisible. Mhm. Um, And sort of how those two can sort of be in the same space with each other. So like in the video that I'm doing, like I'm, I'm very much in the video, but at the same time, it's not, it's not, it's a different interaction Mm -hmm. with the figure. You're not looking directly at a figure. And I'm also thinking about what you, what, what you were doing in your video where you were like covered Mm -hmm. from head to toe. So you're actually like visible, but you're still invisible at the same time. And, I get really excited when I see artists work that way Mm -hmm. where they're sort of like diverting away, whether it's like the physical eyes or the turning of the body or the covering of the body and sort of like being adamant about being present, but at the same time being very smart and very calculated on how you're being present, which we shouldn't have to do first of all, but at the same time, it's like, it does sort of like create a problem solving Mm -hmm. that I find to be, kind of like exci- stressful. it's it's stressful but it's exciting in an art practice yeah I yeah, think yeah and sort of that's where the power of how that stressful shifts
2: mm-hmm.
1: for me it's almost like you're becoming a magician yeah, like yeah you're sort of like now you see me now you don't yeah yeah you know you hear me but you don't see me yeah. and where am I coming from yeah because you can't handle the truth yeah. <laughs> I, I could I couldn't
0: quoting Jack Nicholson the whitest dude ever
1: <gasps> I was oh uh, yeah that's yeah, Jack Nicholson it. that was Jack Nicholson that was Jack Nicholson and
0: that movie what was that with Tom Cruise where like basically Tom Cruise explains exactly what he's gonna do in the court and then proceeds to do it and then Jack Nicholson still like oh falls for it <laughs> he's like I'm oh gonna tell God. you what's gonna happen I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna trick you and then you're gonna be tricked and then Jack Nicholson's like yeah <laughs>
1: oh my gosh why why did Tom Cruise have to come into this (laughs) no it's okay I couldn't help myself you can't handle the truth it's true um I feel like and I also feel like people don't deserve not people but I feel like not everyone deserves to know everything Again, the right to opacity. Yeah. Like, not everyone needs to know everything. And I think it also comes from just my upbringing. Like, my family's my family is very private. They don't like their business being spread, which is, like, weird because I'm talking about their so business. Is this bad? Is this bad? <laughs> well, I'm navigating that. So
0: I'm, <laughs> like, no. You know what's... Uh, my parents have that same thing, too, but for a different reason. I know uh-huh. They're, like, afraid because I talk a lot about, like, my... My parents and my family, and they're worried about the Chinese government. Oh. Which is like, uh, and that's a real thing.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: China's kind of scary. Right?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'll I, let's change the subject. I yes. <laughs> don't, don't want you to get, like, kidnapped. Um, no, that's not funny. No, but uh, my family they're okay with me talking about the farming because that's legacy. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, I'm not going to sit here and talk about like family, family stuff, but, but I have been wanting to talk more about the sort of spiritual side of my family, which Mm -hmm. they're very, they're very protective Mm -hmm. over. And I was having a conversation with somebody about this. Like my family, they're Roman Catholic, and uh, they're Louisiana Creole, yeah. which essentially means that they are they, their culture is like partially Spanish, African, French, and uh, some other Europeans like German and stuff. But anyway, um, and so because of the African ancestry just like you have in the caribbean you have a form of Vodun.
3: What, uh, what?
1: V- voodoo what voodoo but, it's, oh, but oh. it's but it's actually pronounced voodoo voodoo is a is a it's the english way of saying it's, it's a hollywood way of saying oh it's yeah. called vodou. Vodun.
0: Vodun. Oh, yeah okay. or
1: voodoo okay um, and then that's been, like, bastardized to oh, be, like, voodoo. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they still use it in New Orleans because New Orleans, yeah. you know, sold its soul uh, in terms of its culture. It, it, that,
0: and, yeah. New Orleans yeah. has, like, you, you enter that city and you're like, there's, 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 there's some there's, shit. There's, there, there. <laughs> We're on, like, the graves of many people who have died that, mm-hmm. uh, in bad ways.
1: Very bad ways. Yeah, is there a good way to die? I mean,
0: <laughs> white people way.
1: <laughs> What's the white people? Have oh, a funeral have take a funeral. It, take up more
0: space after you've died by having like cemeteries.
1: Hey man, my family has a family cemetery. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. I I totally I've been to cemeteries. That.
0: I'm like I'm like there's so many white people, why do they still keep up still take up still space take after up they space?
1: die? You know you know what? I've I've been to a cemetery here yeah. and it's it's interesting. The so I went to Oh, which one was it? It's like the oldest cemetery in in London. It's like right outside of London. But anyway, it was basically during the times where there were just like way too many people in the city and way too many people dying. And London was a lot smaller than it is now. And uh, this was during the Victorian times. And so they basically allowed for companies or people who had enough money to open up private cemeteries. Okay. Um, so the private cemeteries essentially like they could but they, they couldn't turn away anyone. So then you had like um, Catholics next to you know Protestants and et cetera Atheist, et cetera. Jewish, whatever. Yeah. But but they did have so anyway, so when you go into the cemetery, there's just like all these different headstones like from mm. just different different cultures re- different, different cultures, yeah. religions. But what what really threw me off, so we did a tour. Me and my boyfriend did a tour at the cemetery, and they were talking about how during the Victorian era, that's during the time that they were like exploring. they were just relearning shit, but they were relearning about, you know, how the Egyptians buried their dead and how all these other cultures buried their dead. And he basically, like every year, They basically found out another culture's way of burying the dead and thought it was stylish and Mm. took it on for themselves. That's
0: fascinating. Took it on to
1: themselves. I mean, it's it's, a weird
0: type of cultural (laughs) appropriation.
1: It really is. I mean, it just goes to show you that, like, especially during the Victorian era, they were not at all concerned with; they were concerned with meaning only in a sense of its aesthetic value. That hasn't changed. It hasn't changed, but it's just, I'm just like, okay, so this is where it comes from. Mm. Like for me, like it is depressing, but at the same time, it's sort of like, it's almost like another tool in my pocket mm. to be like, oh, or even just like another, another thing to just sort of be like, and this is why you're crazy. Okay. Got yeah. it. Like, you know, like being able to understand why somebody has issues for me allows me to sort of separate myself from them. Yeah. Because if not, then I'm sort of like, what is going on with you? Are you okay? Like da da da. Because that's the kind of person I am, and then I become so involved with it, and mm. I don't, I don't want to be involved. So the more, I, the more I understand. But anyway, it was really creepy. The cemetery had been abandoned for a long time mm. before, like the people in the community were like, we need to keep this. It's history, and so now it's just overgrown with a bunch of new trees.
0: It must be pretty.
1: It's 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 haunting. Mm. We went in a mausoleum, and I mean it was. You have you ever gone? You've gone to like haunted houses and stuff.
0: I don't think I've been a. I have been I have not been to like a designated haunted house. I've been to a lot of mausoleums, but so um, this, I I will I yeah. actually uh, I'm trying to think. I went to in Bordeaux, I was in Bordeaux a few months ago. I did go to like a sort of creepy tower thing where like. Mm-hmm. They dug up a bunch. Sometime in the middle e- medieval periods, or sometime they dug up a bunch of graves, and they thought the best place to put it was in the basement of this of this tower. And then they they removed the um, the body sins, but for, for like a few, I'm not sure how long, ten years. They they just had like these like mummified bodies just in the crevices of this like um, tower.
1: Oh my gosh
0: and yeah. then, and then it was also weird cuz then when you go there now they have projections of like the bodies there yeah. like you know what i mean mm. so it's like these weird ghostly figures
1: like a like a yeah really that's weird yeah
0: <laughs> or no 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 it's fine so um yeah so what i guess i don't know what else do you want to talk about i i mean i pulled up your like artist statement <laughs> I'm sorry. but i don't know we could also talk about i guess um yeah, I mean you're at U- UT Austin right now. Mm-hmm. How do you like it? How'd you get there? Where'd you? Oh, where'd you go underground? Uh,
1: coop, the Cooper Union.
0: The coop. When it was free. The
1: Cooper Union. Yeah, when it's free. Okay. When it was free. Um, they stopped being free two years after me, I think. Yeah, two years. Yep. And um, that was that was interesting because I hated Cooper Union when I when I the first. The first two years, I hated Cooper Union, and I tried to, I tried to leave twice.
0: Cause, of, uh, cause of the school, New York, everything.
1: It might have been everything, but at the time, it felt like it was just the school that was mm-hmm. getting to me. I think it was just you know, I was I was a big fish in a small pond in mm-hmm. New Orleans, and everything was going for me. And then I went to Cooper Union, and people were like, "You suck." <laughs> But that's, you know, undergrad, I think yeah. um, you sort of just get like the rug snatched from under you. And then you're like, what? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not smart. <laughs> so, so
0: you did the 10, the 10 exercises you had to do to apply, right?
1: Oh yeah, I did. I did. I forgot. All about that.
0: I saw that and I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> really? No, I did.
1: did you do it? You did, I, I
0: did not do you it. You did not do it. I did it. not do it.
1: Okay. I did. Well, I,
0: I also knew I didn't want to go to like an art art school for undergrad. I wanted Where did you go? Went to Cornell.
1: Okay. But like
0: one. But like I applied to all liberal art schools, mm-hmm. and mo- my plan was to like get a BA in arts so that I could, you know, take other classes. Do I other was. Classes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to like because I looked at the curriculum of like RISD, SAC, and it was like mostly art, and then like maybe one. Non academic yeah. or non art class.
1: So you knew that you wanted to sort of maybe not research, but like you wanted to do other things. Because at the time the I did,
0: at the time I didn't know I wanted to do arts. I mm-hmm. just knew I was, I knew I was technically I was a pretty good drawer and painter. Not anymore, but as 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 a seventeen year old, I think I was like I drew all my life. I started doing acrylics at like fourteen. So, so, I was comfortable with, like, color theory and uh, values, and then I did, like, oils in 16. So, by the time, like, I was applying, like, technically, I could do a lot of stuff. Right. But I didn't know I wanted to have a career in it. So, I wanted mm. to have – my thinking was I wanted to have a BA in art so that if I – didn't want to, at least I'd have all these other options I could play around. Man,
1: I should have did that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I should have did that. You, well, you, you think you think you wouldn't have been in art then?
1: I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. Because I know like when I was graduating, when I was graduating Cooper Union, I was like seriously thinking about trying to go back to school to be a librarian. Okay. Either that or like a research assistant. Like, mm-hmm. I, I knew that I wanted to be surrounded by information. Yeah. But then I saw that I needed like a lot of like Extra, more schooling yeah. and stuff. And I was like, I'm definitely not going to get any money for that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. I'm like fresh. Yeah. And I do not want to go into debt for yeah. something yeah. that I'm not 100% about. And so, grad, so, okay. So, undergrad was its own thing.
0: And it got better the last two years. Oh yeah, okay.
1: yeah. I started meeting so many people that I just love to death, and and I think I just got I found my footing. I stopped caring. That, helped. that helps. That That really did help. <laughs> no, seriously, it really helped. Like I just stopped caring so much. Yeah. And then whenever I graduated, I started caring way too much yeah. because the work I had been making in undergrad started getting some attention. And I kind of went through what I call uh Dave Chappelle effect. What's <laughs> the Dave Chappelle effect? So Dave Chappelle is notorious for flying to Africa kind of randomly. Okay. After he did the after, Chappelle uh, yeah, show. After he
0: fled. Um, yeah. He said he never quit. He just has been late for work for the past That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> he was like I just they've t- he's like he's he said, "Technically, uh, they've never fired me. Technically, uh, I'm still uh, there. Uh, I just haven't showed up and I've been late for the past oh, 5 years." Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> he's ridiculous. <I> know. <laughs> so he did he did this interview on he was on Inside the Actor Studio. Okay. And he was talking about how he wasn't sure if he, he realized that his audience was primarily white people. Of course, and he wasn't. He started feeling like people, like they were laughing at him and not with him. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Africa. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, it goes. It, it's a. It's a bit more complicated than that. They were offering him a lot of money. They were making him decide between his career and his family. And his dad had passed away, and he had decided to go to a meeting when he should have gone to the hospital to see his dad before mm. he died so that, affected so that really affected yeah. him yeah. and something not 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 the same but like my uncle had passed away really tragically and really all of a sudden and uh, and I had a serious conversation with my mom and she was like you know the, this land will become yours uh-huh after I go, you mm-hmm. know, and I mean, it just shifted everything mm-hmm. for me. And then also at that time, I was like making work where I was like, I had an alter ego named Confusorella. Confusarella, <laughs> yeah, okay. and she was trying to find the origin of the blues, and she was trying to find it, in, uh in plastica. In what? Plastica.
0: What's that?
1: So like plastic,
0: uh-huh.
1: but Ika, plastica. Okay. And uh, it's just a made up made okay, up word. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't know if I was. I was just like uninformed.
0: I didn't know there was like such a thing as no, a, cool, a plastica. It's
1: cool. Yeah. It's a made up word. Yeah. Um, and her home is panfrica, okay. like pan okay. African. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so th- a lot of the attention I was getting was like. Mm, kind of sexual kind of like because like Freaka and like Plastica and like she had this vibe that was very sort of like hippie and kind of you know and, and also very much like like if the internet was a physical person uh-huh. so just a kind of a mess Yeah. but then she started becoming more and more historical and so very much like you know talking about the past and the present at the same yeah. time but because she was me and i was her i was very much putting myself front and center mm. and i i was just i was getting really really anxious about that and just not sure about what what was what, what i was contributing to mm-hmm. and so then i got an opportunity to go to west africa and that's why I call it the Dave Chapelle. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so long winded. Um, but yeah, I went to West Africa and I basically didn't have, didn't have real access to electronics of any kind mm-hmm. and just was like there. Yeah. Just um, working with women who owned their own garden and, and just kind of help them grow their food mm-hmm. and, I was really challenged in terms of what I understood, what I understand as technology. because So they mostly speak French. This is in Senegal. Senegal was colonized by the French. And, and it's all, it also happens to be the most common origin point for many um, black Americans. Hmm. Because Senegal was known as the, what is it, the rice, the rice coast. So they actually grew rice. They grow rice still in Casamance, which is like a very small sort of like uh, shore area. But back then it was like it was understood that the people who knew how to grow rice were in that area. And they understood then that the area in Senegal in West Africa, that region is very similar to the East Coast and the Southern area. So like Texas is very similar to parts of uh, West Africa. Mm. And uh, so is Louisiana. And so that's how you get like, you know, uh, a lot of times we, when we think of plantations, we think of cotton, but there were many rice plantations and mm. they were primarily bringing, they were bringing black people mainly because, Africans, mainly because of the similarities of the climate.
2: Mm.
1: Because, you know, they, at the time, they didn't know, they didn't, they didn't know how to grow the Asian version of rice um, mm. in that area because it wasn't as similar so they started growing the African version of rice
3: mm.
1: and so I went there because I was interested in that unfortunately I was in a very dry area where they actually don't grow rice
0: you in the wrong area
1: <laughs> I was in the wrong area
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow okay
1: but what I what I ended up doing was actually like Doing more research on Casamance, which yeah. I want to go back and I want to go to Casamance because that is where they still grow rice. And they, and I believe they still use like really old tools where it's essentially wood attached to metal in a very sort of basic way. Yeah. So I had that tool recreated when I was there. But anyway, so the whole thing was just sort of like me focusing on tools and, and focusing on sort of – how does my family fit into the bigger scheme of things?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and and that just shifted everything. Hmm. And that's when I knew I needed to go to grad school because that was hmm. a sh- that was just a big shift for me.
0: How much time was there between?
1: Oh, so that was uh, three years. Okay. Let's see, four, five, six. Seven, yeah, three years. Okay. Between undergrad and graduate yeah. school, but after undergrad, I went straight into. Working in uh, commercials and film. Okay. Because that's what I was doing. I was doing video. Mm-hmm. I was like performing. I was yeah, like yeah. using all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it paid well, but it was absolutely soul sucking. Yeah. Fortunately, I found a company that edits movie trailers. Uh-huh. And that was so more fun. that is definitely way <laughs> more fun because you can shit talk the movie. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I'm not going to mention the company I worked at, but...
0: (laughs) Which trailers did you make, though?
1: Oh, I mean, they were, like, stuff from IFC.
0: Those are, like, artsy stuff. No. Those are, like, indie
1: films. IFC. Oh,
0: I I consider artsy indie. Oh, okay. I see
1: what you mean. Yeah. No, like, their late night segments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. Like, a lot of the indie films. Mm -hmm. Um, We did do a lot of... Shoot. What's that company? Mainly indie. Okay. Mainly indie films. We didn't get any blockbusters. Yeah. That and HBO. Okay. So HBO was pretty much as big as we got. And HBO was a pain because they made us get, like, new security cameras, new everything, because they were just, like, really paranoid. Security
0: cameras? To watch you.
1: To watch whoever had access to their hard drives. Yeah, I see. The hard drives that have their information on Mm -hmm. it. And that's because I think they had been hacked before.
0: Yeah. Sony uh-huh. also was hacked. Yeah, by North Korea. Cause of yeah. Dave Fra- James Franco.
1: Right. So when that happened, sorry, when that happened, I think something similar might have happened to HBO. But HBO oh, was I, oh, really did, scared.
0: Oh, oh, like a bunch of Game of Thrones episodes got released.
1: Oh, maybe. I think. Maybe I don't. I don't remember. I, th- I, d- I think. Yeah, I think. I that- do remember the Sony thing. Yeah. But somewhere around that time, just yeah. HBO was just like very yeah. like. Paranoid paranoid and so I mean, whoever w- they were with. Everyone
0: should be, right? Marriott just got hacked. Yeah. 500 million customers were affected or something like that.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that was like at the beginning of sort of like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's like crazy. Yeah. Actually there was this um, reality TV show that was like right next to us and they got hacked by a person and their entire first season that they had been editing. Was released? No, no, no. It was like, it, w- it had been encrypted. They were trying to release it, but it had been encrypted. Oh,
0: so oh, the hacker encrypted.
1: <laughs> yeah, the hacker encrypted the entire <laughs> season of their reality show. And so... That's kind
0: of amazing, actually. Right?
1: <laughs> but it was like right before they were supposed to deliver yeah. it to be aired. Yeah. So what happened... <laughs> so the hacker requested how many? Like a series of Bitcoins. Yeah, okay and this was my the first time that i've ever i had ever heard, heard of, of a bitcoins, bitcoin yeah <laughs> and so you're like so what is sent, that yeah i was like <laughs> what is going on people had to explain to me like
0: you're like and, what is virtual money what does that mean <laughs>
1: i was like bitcoins hackers what's the- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so they sent one of their interns to queens because it's the only place you could buy bitcoins at the time i don't know if it's any different but like Okay. At the time, that was the only place you could buy Bitcoin. So okay. they they went all the way to Queens to buy Bitcoins, came back to pay the hacker. The hacker released it. But I was just like, I I thought that was like the most bizarre thing because yeah. we all secretly hated that that company, yeah, like the yeah. reality, because they were just yeah. they were editing reality yeah. TV. Yeah. What is,
0: reality show's good?
1: Yo, anytime I've ever worked with like any reality tv type company whatever terrible yeah absolutely terrible because nobody cares about nobody yeah like they don't they don't care they're literally pillaging people's lives
0: and also no no one's life is that interesting nobody so everything has to be cut in such a fake way yeah you know
1: but i worked um i the the one time that i no was it one time yeah, it was one time that I worked for a reality TV um, show. And they were doing this bit on Russell Simmons. So this guy, he was British. He he came in. The British guy came in. He didn't know who Russell okay. Russell Simmons was. The whole point of this whole thing is for it to be... And he was like, which one is Russell Simmons? <laughs> he's like, is that Russell Simmons? Just pointing to a random black guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> dude, Russell Simmons is rich. Like, he, he's he's... Run DMC, he's, you know, for you to be doing this whole thing, he's like, so so we edited a bunch of clips with Russell Simmons talking. Russell Simmons always, he talks about his spiritual, like, you know, where he is in his spirit. Mm -hmm. He talks about the peace and happiness of mankind. (laughs) So the British guy is like, can we get something where he talks about money? (laughs) And, and, And I'm like... He doesn't really talk about money because he's he has money, but he doesn't talk about money. Yeah, yeah. And he just he that was like the most painful thing. So
0: did, was that, he was he was Russell Simmons forced to talk about money?
1: I think we we had to edit it in a way where he was talking about what he was putting forward for this fundraiser that was happening. So
0: <laughs> and that was the money bit.
1: And that is reality TV. Yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with what anybody's saying. Yeah. It has everything to do with a script that you have written out yeah. and hoping that they say something as close as they can to what's on the script. And that was that was my sort of like, oh, this is really bad. Like, there's no way to turn this around for me. And so I got out of that. Unfortunately, I went into trailers. Um, but before that, I was doing commercials, and that's even worse. That's like Mad Men, yeah. real life. The company I was working at, they actually, Mad Men used Martini, the company. Martinis
0: throughout the day by the, uh, by the execs.
1: I mean, it's not martinis, but it's definitely hard, hard okay. alcohol.
0: <laughs> they've gone down in terms of sophistication, but yeah. the alcohol is still there.
1: I mean, the company I worked at, they had – they had little cutouts of the characters from Mad Men, like they knew, like you know, the whole company of knew
0: that what they were. Mad
1: Men was based on them, and yeah. they were proud of it. Mm. And I'm like, you don't, you're not, you shouldn't be proud of <laughs> having Mad Men based off your y- company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like the, the the people who would come in to look at the videos that you're doing. They're all called creatives. I
0: hate I hate that word creatives yeah
1: i used it several times i know this. Oh I, I, my God, didn't wanna, sorry. I didn't want to
0: i didn't want to be a downer but yeah. I, I don't like that word why i mean i don't either because i feel like i feel like um people who are actually doing something creative would never call themselves creatives mm. like an artist a musician a filmmaker mm. like someone like doing those kinds of things they would say i'm a musician i'm an artist like and art and the word artist is pretty broad. Like a filmmaker can call themselves an artist. I'm not, but like I feel like the type of person who would want to call themselves a creative, is one who is so non-specific that mm-hmm. they can't actually even place themselves other than the fact that whatever they're doing, they consider it to be somewhat creative, but they might not be even be able to put a put yeah. a finger on what that is.
1: Yeah. You know? I mean, that finger is 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 pointed towards money and capital.
0: Well, That's, I mean, yeah, but they don't want to say that. Yeah, because so it makes them
1: seem soulless. So they don't have anywhere
0: else to put the, the finger on, right? So they're just going to put it like in the general direction of creativity.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, right? I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I am sorry for using the word creative. That's right. um, But... These people, I think, using these, these people, using the, these people <laughs> calling themselves the creatives, the creatives are coming. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I just, it's just so hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my experience up until. Um, you went to I had, Senegal? I went to Senegal. I came back. I did uh, a show at Wave Hill that's in the Bronx. Yeah. And, um, and then at that point, I realized I needed to get back into grad school because my work had had shifted so
0: much. And what did you want from grad school? I always ask this because, like, I what feel What did like, I want from grad well, school? Well, I mean, like, what did you hope to get or what mm. what, um, what was the thing that you're like, oh, like, I need to go to grad school? Because it's, mm. it's commitment, right? Like, you're stopping—you're pausing your life, depending on the grad school you go to, also, like— being in further debt, right? Yeah. And so, like, it's a it's a pretty big decision. Oh,
1: so okay. The reason why I wanted to go to grad school is what I what I just said is um, I realized that there was a shift, and I needed to explore and investigate and challenge what that shift was mm-hmm. and figure it out. Uh, figure out what my process is. Yeah. Also, I wanted to be able to talk about. I want to be able to talk about my work because mm-hmm. um, I feel like the work I was making before was so fresh. In the sense that I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I was really making and being in making mode, and was not thinking about where it was coming from. And a lot of people told me like, "You don't need to go to grad school. You're doing fine." And I'm like, "I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, like, people tell me what I'm doing, and I don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I I need to know what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, and yeah. at least to know what." what I'm interested in, what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, or else I'm just going to be like this poor little lamb that's going to be led to like slaughter. I don't know. Um, and then I decided to go to grad school because I got funding. I refused to go to grad school if I had to pay. I just don't know. I And, and I tell people who are interested in going to grad school, I'm like, maybe if the economy was doing better, I'll be like, whatever, do it. But it's not.
2: Yeah. And
1: I don't think it will in, in some time. And so I did have people who were like, you should just go to, um, you know, an Ivy League. You should just go there and, like, m- go into debt. And whenever you graduate, you'll be able to make money from your artwork. It will push you to make money from your artwork. And I'm yeah. like, no, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that. I've That is so crippling. And that create that makes you subjected to the art market, and I'm not interested in that because I mean, if I if I ever if I if I sell work, I mean, I have sold work, but like if I sell work, I want it to be on my terms, and mm-hmm. I don't want it to be uh, to like pay as off a, debt. Yeah, yeah, I don't want it to be a form of survival. I don't want yeah. it to be like just be, so I can give the money to someone else.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, not, don't get me wrong, I have debt, but that's just f- for whatever reason, but the money and the shift in a career.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's good reasons.
1: I think so. I mean, it's it's weird. I gave up a, a pretty good job.
0: Of, of trailer, making trailers? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good job because, yeah. but I knew. You can always return to it. Yeah, maybe. Editing, I'd still be an assistant editor. I don't think I want to be an actual trailer editor. Okay. Uh being an assistant editor. What's the difference? So being an assistant editor, you uh organize all the assets that that the editor is going to be using. You uh, prep okay, everything. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Essentially allowing them to be creative. Yeah. I yeah. don't necessarily want mm. to want to <laughs> I'm using a word again. Yeah. Uh I don't necessarily want to be creative in that sense. Right. Because that's taking away from what my practice is. Mm. So I'd rather be in an assistant position. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes um, sense. Because it actually helps me in my practice. Because yeah, it then, splits the
0: work. Yep. The money work from the the artwork.
1: Exactly. And I mean, I love I. Every editor I've worked with, I've really enjoyed working with. Um, and, I mean, I've gotten I've gotten jobs and I've gotten you know the next thing from these editors and a lot of editors sort of video editors that I've met have understood the need for you to have sort of like um, a practice. Mm-hmm. For some reason they understand that. And I think it's because part of what they do is like try to inject part of themselves into the work. Yeah, And so like my boss, he allowed me to sort of split between because I was an assistant editor And I wasn't, I didn't have a whole lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. He allowed me to do like art residencies. Uh, He allowed me to take breaks. Yeah. That's good.
0: That's important.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they weren't like, they weren't like month long breaks. They were just sort of like, okay, I won't be in on Mondays,
0: Mm.
1: you know? And so for him, it's kind of good because he's like, all right, we'll just like make sure that all the work you need to do is on these other days and I don't have to pay you for this day. Yeah. And so. It worked. It was a good balance. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm very grateful for all the editors that I've worked with. And if I were to do it again, it would only be as an assistant. I mm. would not want to be um, a trailer editor because that's entirely too much stress. Yeah. And right.
0: Like you, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Sense. I also would love to be an assistant researcher. But I don't have no What's idea how to get into that. Just somebody who like if 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 there's from what I understand, I need to do more research. <laughs> <laughs> and but from what I understand, it's somebody who compiles information. To so be an assistant yeah. researcher is kind of similar to being an editor. Like, you're organizing the information. But the researcher
0: for, like, the writer or the producer or the director, like, in that sense, so that they can then for- make oh, make an idea for mean. it? Is that what you no, mean? No,
1: I was thinking more like a project researcher, oh, research okay. uh, assistant. So, like, somebody who's – I'm thinking historically, too. So, somebody who's, like, you know, writing a paper
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they need an assistant. Uh, okay. An assistant to – do the research yeah, yeah. for them to then be able yeah. to go and sift through.
0: Yeah. Um Olafur, Olafur Leeson has like hundred research assistants for his projects.
1: Yeah. Wait, who is that?
0: Olafur Leeson, <laughs> that? The, the Icelandic artist who he's famous for the um, the sun piece he did in the Tate. Oh my Modern. Gosh. You know, when you walk in the tur it's like it's in all the history books where like mm-hmm. you walk in and you see like the sun. Like a, a facsimile of a of a setting sun. Mm, what else mm. has he done? Uh, but he
1: has like hundreds of researchers.
0: He has like he has like a staff of like a hundred something people, and like some are fabricators. But like like he has people like reading philosophy for him, so that, so that he can then digest it. You know, or like I low key want to do that, or like <laughs> I or like I, I I knew someone who worked for him, and like he was just like. I need to figure out the relationship between black ink and black holes. And it's like, there is no relationship. But if you research, research long enough, you can find one. I don't want to do that. You know, and so like,
1: no, that's creating concept for somebody. No, no, I know. Yeah. yeah, But I mean,
0: but like that, I mean, that's a type of research assistant.
1: Don't want to do that. But I I see what you mean. I think I really would rather just look up information and organize it. I think I really like just organizing. Yeah. Right now, I'm an artist assistant. Back home, I'm an artist assistant to Deborah Roberts. And, and so she's a collage artist. And essentially, I fill in areas on the canvas mm-hmm. for, her, for her to work on top of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I really enjoy it because I don't think I'm doing anything in terms of creating concept for her. I'm helping expedite Mm -mm. a process. I'm laying down a flat color and she's going in and doing everything. So it's like a good balance of sort of me doing something that's sort of mindless, but also portive. And I think that's part
0: of part of the part of the process. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's part of the process for her. But if she were to do it herself, it would take a lot longer. Yeah. And uh, I have no problem helping expedite that. Yeah. I'm like thinking to myself as I'm, while I'm in grad school, like how would an assistant be helpful for me in a way that they are not sort of giving over their, yeah. you their know, life. Their, their life or their concepts? Like yeah. I'm not interested in that. I don't yeah. like that. But I do think that like I want a job. I know other people want, want a job. Like that's a reality. It's like how can I how can I, how can I make room for someone else eventually yeah. in my career so that they can be supported yeah. and they can support me. Yeah. Probably painting stuff
0: <laughs> and laying down the grid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I am kind of I'd be, I'm a little bit freaked out about having assistance. Really? I think cuz at the moment the way I work is sort of like I'm doing everything myself. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the next steps are because I'm sort of figuring things out oftentimes as I'm doing it. And so to have someone wait on me, I always hate. I always hate having people wait on me. And so like, I know what you mean. But like, yeah. I guess if I if I start, if I if I got successful and I could like add to make products that would be well, more easy, right? But, but like, but it's
1: like it's an it's a learning experience for the artist as well. I'm sure. I think yeah. because then it forces you
0: to to make, to make something,
1: to to figure out what do I need this this person to do, yeah. and you have to be fine with the fact that you're paying them to to maybe do something that you'll change your mind about. Yeah, because that that's if that's your process, that's your process. Yeah, but like yeah. I'm thinking about you and these like. And these trees that you're that you're buying and that you're creating, yeah. like somebody could make that for no, you. No, yeah, do yeah. Do you have to make that? You know, do you have to be the one to put it in the ground? No, yeah, no, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think I will probably work and I'll. I mean, I know some artists also like they don't have like, oh, sorry, they don't have like artist assistance constantly. Like there are people that artists that like project project by project. project by project. Like oh, the project's done. I d- I just don't have anything right now.
1: That's that's so I also I do video editing for artists yeah. as well and it is project by project. That that is a bit more stressful yeah. only because oftentimes it has been right before an opening <laughs> 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 and, and yeah. I will get an email that is very abstract and yeah. And have to figure out what is it that they want in yeah. a very small window. Yeah. So if anything, that is being an editor in a sense. Yeah. But but I'm actually really happy working for an artist whose practice is nothing like my own. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do paint, but not in the same way. It's nice. Way.
0: I feel like it's not as draining. It's not. You know, it's like, I mean, my my the thing that I did to make money... Is web development. And has absolutely nothing to do with art. Wow.
1: That went so left.
0: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> what did you, you think I was going to say? I don't
1: know. I was like... Stripper. Stripper? No. That would be very interesting. That would be interesting.
0: <laughs> but um, no, I do web development stuff. And it's like, i it's nice. I don't have to think at all about that in relationship to art. And then I can like switch modes and I can feel... Mm not like I'm putting in any sort of creativity towards something that I don't care about. Yeah. I mean, I like web development. I find, I I, I see it as like sort of a puzzle.
1: Speaking of jobs outside of your practice, would you ever teach art?
0: I do want to teach you. Yeah. You do? That's part of why I wanted an MFA.
1: Wait, you don't have an MFA.
0: I do. You do? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So wait, I don't understand.
0: That's why I wanted... Oh, that's why you wanted Sorry, did I... Know. Maybe I said... Maybe, no, I, maybe no, I didn't I put think, an ED there I think in the wanted.
1: Getting, I think it's getting late. And I'm yeah, not, and we're I'm,
0: getting buzzed. Yeah. The buzz is hitting you. But... We've been um, drinking beer, so that's, that's sort of...
1: Cronenberg?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I want to teach... Uh, yeah.
1: So you, you, you... So after your, your Fulbright...
0: After, well, so in the Fulbright, I'm applying for DAD. We'll see if that happens. What's DAD? D A A D is like the the Dutch no not the Dutch the D-A- German a German like equivalent to the Fulbright.
1: Oh right 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 yeah. and that'll allow you to teach or
0: no um, then I would just stay in Germany for another year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: But gotcha. um, yeah and then I mean I would like to see how long these residencies will last like I'll probably apply to like Reichs Academy Roswell Province. Provincetown fine arts work, um, cool, and just see how long that lasts. But like, each time I apply, like I always also apply to like teaching jobs. Mhm. So just to always have an option open.
1: I've been looking at uh, UCLA has um, an has a le- opening for lecturers because mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm if I'm interested in being in a classroom, but I'm definitely interested in giving lectures because I feel like my tangents could be useful.
0: Um, have, you, have you been able to teach at UT Austin and realize that you don't want to be a classroom teacher?
1: Actually, no. So interesting. So I, I, I get a lot of funding from UT, and because of that, I'm not allowed to teach okay. um, because that would be additional unfair. Yeah, yeah, that would be unfair. And I really wanted that experience going mm. in But then getting that much funding—that's sort of like the double, the double edge. So I actually haven't had that opportunity. But VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University.
0: Well, they have a—they have that. um, They have a teacher post MFA residency.
1: So I'm interested in doing something like that, along with lecturing, Mm. Um, because I feel like the the lecturing will allow me to sort of like, okay, I've. I've done research, I've, you know, had shows, I'm doing stuff, so I have a lot to contribute yeah. in that way, but not yet so much in the classroom sense, yeah. which I'm, I'm fine with. I mean, I have a professor who's just like, you know, go out there and, and, and make money, but like not sell work, make money, like find fellowships, like find grants, oh, yeah, like yeah. M- take opportunities that are going to help you live, yeah. you know, rather than sort of jumping straight into teaching or, you know, jumping into sort of these kind of year-long residencies that don't really pay anything. (laughs) There are a lot of that in New York.
0: Yeah, yeah. Does this place matter to you where you go end up?
1: Yeah, that's a a push and pull thing because I'm really wanting to stay out of New York 'Cause I told you earlier I'm not really a city person. I realize I've been forcing myself to be and yeah. it's been a struggle. Yeah. But I do like to be around cities. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure that out. But right now, place is good. I actually have exciting news. I'm I'm gonna be at the Crystal Bridges Museum in Arkansas. You have a show there? No, I'm doing a residency. Like first six weeks. When uh, next fall, so Congrats. October, November. Thank you. It's and will they, there be
0: other artists there, or you're the only one?
1: I think there's going to be another artist, mm-hmm. but I don't know who it is yet. Um, and I think it's you can you can it's you, six weeks, and you can say what six weeks you want to be there.
0: Did you have to apply?
1: No, I actually That's didn't good. apply for this yeah. one. Um, I was sought out by by one of the curators who I had worked with before, mm-hmm. and she knew my work. and the residency is geared towards artists who think about land mm-hmm. um, yeah. in their practice. and so it yeah. it would just fit perfect. so it kind of fit perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. and it keeps me in a general southern area while also introducing me to a new place. Yeah, yeah. so like to answer your question, like place is important. But I'm really interested in sort of expanding where I go. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really my goal. My next goal is to find a home base. Yeah. And then Me sort too. of travel out from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um,
0: that's my goal too.
1: Yeah. Struggle is real because a lot of people are like, "Oh, go back to New Orleans," and I'm like. Uh, <laughs> I love New Orleans. I really do, and I would love to be able to live there at some point. But I think my entry back into New Orleans is going to be through art. I don't know if it's going to be the best place for me to be right after because it. Um, I thrive in new places. Yeah, I do. I thrive in new places, but I do want a place that really fits my personality and fits my interests. Yeah. Austin is okay. Austin is weird. (laughs) Um, but like there's a lot of, a lot of like well-meaning white liberals. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. And it's a liberal city.
1: It's a liberal city, but it's also like it's Texas. Yeah, exactly. It's liberal Texas. Yeah. And, uh, take that however you want to because there have been moments where I'm like oh yeah this feels great like I feel like I'm surrounded by people who really enjoy my presence and then at other times I'm like is everyone tone deaf here (laughs) like you know and and what did that person just say and because everything is so sort of um nice those moments just hit you like a, yeah. a fu- like a train yeah. and you're just like whoa wait he, you know like i i know i shouldn't be surprised but i just felt so good for a moment yeah and then this thing happened that's austin yeah. for me anyway but i met my boyfriend there and so he's definitely made it bearable mm. and so he's an engineer and we've been trying to figure out sort of Next steps. Next steps, because he's just starting fresh, and he needs to get a license. And so that means we have to be in... UT um, Austin.
0: In Austin. We have
1: to, yeah. Well, he has to be in Austin okay. for at least another two years. Okay. But that doesn't... I mean, I'm, I'm here, yeah. so obviously it doesn't matter. But I'm also not trying to be somewhere else for an entire year if I yeah. can help it. Yeah. But if people, what is it, nominate me for certain stuff... I will apply. Like I've applied to, uh, oh gosh, what is that called? It's a year-long residency in New York. I applied to it because I was recommended, but yeah. um, I probably won't be able to do it because I'll be in Arkansas. Yeah, which is kind of fine. And
0: you're and and after Arkansas, you're not sure. You're just sort of applying to things, see what happens.
1: Well, what's nice about Arkansas is that it will. The stipend that they're giving me is very generous and will allow me to sort of live.
0: Oh, nice. For a while.
1: Knock on wood, if I can budget, Um, (laughs) if I can budget right, it will. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ball out and be like, oh no.
0: (laughs) Your entire art projects made from the dollar store.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Dollar store art. Dollar store art. But um,
0: that's basically Alex DeCorte's work.
1: Really? Yeah. Dollar store art. I feel I, like I it. think yeah. I think of um, Oldenburg. Oldenburg, yeah. yeah. When I think of dollar store art, mm. which is compliment in terms I of Oldenburg, so. Klaus Clay Oldenburg. Oldenburg, Klaus Klaus, Klaus Oldenburg, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, his uh, his storefront yeah, that he yeah. had. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, the the idea the, the idea is that that will give me a year to apply and focus on applying. Mm,
0: that's important. It's a full time job.
1: It is a full time job. Focus on applying yeah. and developing projects yeah. and taking a breather and making money and trying mm-hmm. to like get myself together. Yeah. And then, and then actually going and producing work. That's that's what's so great about the Crystal uh, Bridges Museum. And then after that. That will have given a year to my partner, and then I can sort of like figure out where to go. Figure out where to go. Yeah, I yeah. People have asked me like, "So you are coming back to New York? You coming?" I was like, "If the money goes that way, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. if there's money, yeah." Because I'm sorry, I just I need to live. I need to survive. I need to take care of myself. So I need yeah. to make those decisions yeah. first. Um, it's hard to line things up. But it's also kind of exciting yeah. in a sense because I'm just sort of like throwing my chips everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And wherever they land, that's where I'll be.
0: I mean, and, I'm still doing that.
1: I mean, it's kind of exciting. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. It's stressful, right? It's stressful, yeah. But it's kind of exciting because. That's that's gonna be your life, your life of adventure. Like that, that is an adventure. Like when yeah. when we're old, we're gonna be like, I've been to London, but yeah. I've been to Berlin. <laughs> like it's that'll be such a I don't know, I'm Yeah. Hoping- yeah, when other
0: when other chance do you would you like I I you know, I applied for the Fulbright in Germany three times. Yeah. And the reason I wanted it so badly was because if I didn't do it now, I was more than likely going to stay in the States and not, like, I, you know, people keep saying, like, you can go visit Berlin, but, like, living there a whole year.
1: It's very different.
0: Each year you get older, like, the possibility of that is getting less and less, right? You get a house, you get married, mm. you have a job, that it gets hard to leave. Oh, that's you know? interesting. And so yeah. for me, it was really important that, like, I was given another year to mm. be in a different country. I didn't have so. to take, like, time off. I got, I'm getting enough money. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: mm-hmm. that's a really, that's a really good point. Um, you don't want to like, you want to, you want to, it's, it's a balance, right? Yeah. Like you want to be able to, you want to be able to hop on opportunities, but you don't want to necessarily hop on every opportunity. That's sort of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Like there are opportunities that I'm like, I could just apply Yeah. and just deal with it later. Well, oh, but I do I, apply to everything Yeah.
0: because then I can pick and choose. Then most of the things that I apply for I don't get.
1: See, my fear my fear is getting the thing that I do want and then not being able to do it. Cause then do you get it again? Like like But they remember
0: you. The jury remembers you. Yeah. Yes and or like I also see it as like a confidence booster. You did something right. So like
1: So have you had that experience before where you've gotten something and you've turned it down? Yeah. Even though you wanted to do it? Yeah. The
0: most recent one was I got the the Jurassic residency in California
1: oh cool
0: it's a pretty it's a pretty good one but like they gave me October and
1: you can do it
0: I technically could I don't have anything planned yet but
1: no but you want to do the Fulbright again
0: yeah I want to do the Fulbright again but also it, it's in a really bad time because like I wanted I think even my, I looked at my application and like I put the months like October, September and August as acceptable times They gave me October. But mm-hmm. I think, I wanted August because, like, I knew that's when my Fulbright would end. If I got any sort of teaching job, I would have to not take, I would... Oh, yeah, you would I, have
1: to start September.
0: Yeah, and so, like, any, or anything, like, Sound Fine Arts Work starts in October, mm-hmm. like, Reichs Academy, like, all those things start. So it'd be so like, then, I would have, mm-hmm. yeah, and I will just like, I'd rather, they put me on the wait list for August, but I'd rather, like, reapply for a time that fits better for me. But I want, I mean Jurassic is like, I've wanted to go for a while.
1: I mean, that's yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And then like, it would have
0: it would have worked, like I could fly from here directly to California and then from there, using the funds from Fulbright and then from there, like go to where I need to go. But like... Strategy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, That's... Because I really want to apply for the um, Studio Museum in Harlem. Yeah. But that's a full year commitment.
0: And you don't want that?
1: Well, I won't be able to apply for this upcoming year okay. because Crystal Bridges. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that sort of takes up everything. Pretty much takes up the year. Yeah. Well, use that, um, use that year
0: to like make work and then apply for, to studio.
1: That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. Because the Studio Museum in Harlem, the purpose for that residency in my opinion from to what i've famous. seen
0: <laughs> come on two two out of the three of all those are each three each year of that Ooh residency gosh, gets two famous. out of a
1: three what if i'm not one of the two you'll um, still be
0: fine no but like, but like you know like but the one, work the
1: work that really thrives there like the two out of the three right yeah is usually work that is uh, commercial
0: yeah and i mean that, that's the critique against those artists
1: yeah i think it,
0: it goes back to, it will it goes back to like I th- it all, I do think it goes back also to them synthesizing black culture in a way that white people can understand. When, yeah. you, when you say commercial, like when I think of like who has been successful, it's like it a lot of times that's what I've noticed has happened. and yeah. they, and the city museum also selects tends to select artists. In that vein.
1: Yep. Yep. It's true. I mean, they occasionally select artists that are more conceptually rigorous, yeah, right? Yeah. Like uh Lauren Halsey was yeah, one yeah. of their last people.
0: Yeah. And uh, I met Lauren randomly.
1: Lauren is so
0: sweet. I, I met her because I was visiting Yale and then like I was wandering through the sculpture.
1: I did too. That's how I met her. Oh, uh, yeah. And then she was wandering through her and sculpture. She was, and she was
0: like really nice. She and, was so like, nice. And then... I'm really good friends with um, Devin Shimoyama. He's a painter from Yale. Okay. And then after getting to know him, I learned that he, he like, lived with Lauren. Oh. Like, they were, like, uh, but she was never there. And then I was in New York with Devin, and we were both talking about um, yeah. Lauren. And then, like, we walked past, like, a storefront, and then we both saw this, like, really beautiful black woman. And at the time, we had this weird uh activity where like let's let's point out the most interesting people we could find in new york just by like looks and we both looked at this woman and we're like i think that's she she's like a a very interesting person it was lauren no and then but then we passed by and then we walked we walked past and we went inside and then like she was like lauren laura halsey's assistant and lauren was there
1: Oh, it made sense. It all came together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, Lauren Lauren is so adorable. I I I really do love her and I love her work. I met her at Yale also and I you were visiting. I was just visiting. Yeah. yeah I didn't know what to expect yeah. and I just fell in love with the work and I took my camera out and just started filming everything and yeah. taking photos and I sent her the stuff and I think she she used it. Oh, that's it was nice. just like good quality cuz she wasn't like really thinking about documenting it in that she sense. I don't know her
0: too well. She seems to be a type to just work very intuitively and figure out what happens later.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I she took me she took me around to all the studios and oh, that's stuff. That's nice. It's very nice of her. But um yeah, when she was at Studio Museum in Harlem, I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's hope for me. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah. And and so she, she was there with Eric Mack okay. and um and Eric Mack blew up blew
0: up. When he left there, yeah. And I mean, Lauren's doing well. Lauren, Lauren's doing <laughs> she, extremely well. She, she just won a, a prize. What did she win? She oh, won did a she? she won a big prize. I thought
1: like a week ago or something.
0: I forget. It was like an Ethlux announcement, and I was like, oh, I guess she's
1: that's she's- dope. I know, no, she went. She went back to California and just really like dug in. Yeah, like really dug in, yeah. and it was it was so amazing what she has been able to accomplish there, like her structure. And she was like on the cover of Fred Moten's book recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's like, she's doing it. And I think being at the Studio Museum in Harlem gave her a lot of presence. Yeah. So it's definitely possible yeah. at the Studio Museum. Um, and it's also
0: luck. I've I, I, I heard that this past year's group, one of the artists was sort of selected randomly. like they one of the one of the artists that was selected, they couldn't come and then they had like a stack of finalists and then I think whoever was in charge was like, well, just like pick this person. like it wasn't really discussed. Oh but like God. it was a finalist, but like that's how random I yeah. mean I guess the fact that they're finalists, you know they they've been vetted, but like yeah. I
1: mean, so I've, so I've actually shown at the studio museum Uh before. When? Um, This is two, three years, two, two years ago, two years ago. Um, But it was like, you've been to the studio museum, right? So, you know, like the sort of the, the area before you enter the main Uh gallery, sometimes they'll have like an artist there, sort of like a focus, focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the focus thing. And that was really exciting remember my family actually being really excited about and that proud. one yeah did they
0: know did they know about the museum
1: honestly it was because my name was on the glass okay yeah. <laughs>
0: and my, they were like oh that, the same thing i had i had my i did a, I did a show at the Andy Warhol museum and the, the thing that they cared about was the fact that my name, Your was, name on was on
3: the
2: glass <laughs> they,
0: like, they took pictures of that, <laughs> of that. No, not not of the work they but they took a that. picture of the fact that they had they had a vinyl of my name on, on the Andy Warhol Museum. <laughs>
1: that is exactly my family's reaction. They were like, "Oh my God, your name's on glass."
0: <laughs> You're like, "I can do that for like ten bucks. I print some vinyl. I'll just put it on all your <laughs> I windows." Just do that every
1: <laughs> yeah. year for Christmas. Just be like another show. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Studio Museum in Harlem is definitely on my list. Yeah. Um, Scott Hegan, I've been trying to get into, but yeah. I think I'm at a point where I'm t- I am kind—I don't care anymore.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm at that same point too, I think. Yeah. I might apply one or a few times, but I'm just like, I don't know if it, you know, it's just like one big um, orgy <laughs> slash yeah. ego fest. And it's <laughs> like, the, the the positive thing, I guess, is like the people you meet there, it, kind of, like, it seems like half of them will continue to do well or be part of the art world in some way.
1: Wait, do 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 half of them not become part of the art world in some way?
0: I don't know. What, I'm just saying like a oh, high percentage would yeah. be relevant possibly and intersect yeah. with your life later.
1: I think I've just been like consumed with the idea that if you go to Skowhegan, yeah. you've somehow have become been a bad, bad person. No oh, that you've oh, been oh. like validated oh, yeah. by like the art world mm. and I'm I think the well, older I get I'm I'm I mean, shaking you to, that off. I, I
0: mean to last year's Studio Museum of Harlem residents all went to Skowhegan the same year. I I looked at I looked at all the res, the resumes they all went to Skowhegan the same year and then immediately got went to Studio Museum <laughs>
1: It's a conspiracy. Um,
0: <laughs> I know <laughs> privilege upon privilege oh my upon privilege.
1: Gosh. Well, I mean that's what they say, right? They say that like once you get a few residencies, oh, yeah. it all
0: just sort of opens up
1: no, for you. I mean,
0: it's been true for me because yeah. I, I think I think what it does is it means you've curated your portfolio so that it has a, it's doing the right things within the ten images that you have within the five minutes that you have is. Video within the, God, you know, I, hate what I mean, that. but like, I, hate I think that. I think that's what it means because if, if you're mm-hmm. able to convince like a very hard to get in residency, you know you're on the right track for how to present yourself and how to write an artist statement.
1: I mean, that's crazy to me because okay, when the times where I apply for opportunities and I write, I have to write for it. I, I, I don't I don't always get them, but a lot of times I get those. But when I only send my work, mm. <laughs> yeah. well, no, wait, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying. No, yeah, it's true, it's true. It's sort of when I have only five minutes because I think the work that, the video work that I'm making, it, it takes time for mm-hmm. it to sort of like get where it needs yeah. to go and it's not like immediate. And so I struggle so much with that five minutes. So I'm sort of like, I don't think... It's not even that like my video, I don't feel like my, like my video work has to adhere to that. And I don't think, it, yeah, I don't think it should, yeah. but I think that my strategy has to be through the images, Yeah. through imagery, yeah. like it cannot be through video because yeah. it requires too much of their time. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about like strategies and like how to get Can I stuff. tell you like a
0: really dirty secret of mine in terms of my art process? I always think about how in the process of making it, how it will look in 30 seconds or what what 30 seconds I can pick. I told that to my advisor in grad school and he looked at me with like the most disgusted, (gasps) like, uh, querulous face. Like, really? That's your, but like, I remember I was like cute because he asked me about some decision I made and I was like... Well, I don't think I could represent this well in like a thirty second clip for like how to present myself in the world and and then I don't I think me saying that out loud made me realize how strange it was. Uh, but okay. like but like it does as I keep making my work, I do think about that, right? So I think about my process of making the videos. I create like an A and B role. And mm-hmm. like I pick like what are I start from a very aesthetical standpoint like what shots look pretty if it doesn't look pretty I'm just not even going to use it Mm. right and so like that I think that's that's a side effect of like if will it work in the 30 second clip because if it looks pretty then I can definitely find footage that will aesthetically look good for 30 seconds if the entire video right and so I'm always constantly thinking about that or like my videos are tend to be like 5 to 15 minutes long it's like I, I'm thinking about like how, um, if it's like, t- it gets to be an hour, like you can't really make a good clip. Oh,
1: yeah. You no, know what I mean? No, I mean, okay. So I have something similar. It's not 30 seconds, but I do have a limit. Yeah. I, I try not to make my videos longer than, definitely not longer than 10 minutes, yeah. but no, I, you, they usually go around six or seven. Like I've, so I'm, I'm that's fine. But I'm like, because I'm just like, nobody's going to yeah, sit through yeah, and yeah. And I think about that. I yeah. do think about that. Yeah. And I think the reason why I've adopted that is because I'm like, okay, my concept, what I'm thinking about are cycles, are yeah. things that keep repeating themselves, timelines. So, like, it's fine that it's Because yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, that's that's sort of how I come to terms with it. It's like, if if my reasoning for it can fit somehow into my concept, then it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I I know what you're saying. I think I just I, I struggle with it because, my sense of aesthetic is I think a bit different than than other people's aesthetic. Yeah, like yeah. I, I really like my aesthetic, and I think that it's not necessarily always pretty, but then that's what I like about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily always like like honestly, when I see artwork that is pretty, I get bored, mm. or or sometimes I even get mad. <laughs>
0: Is that what you felt when you saw my piece?
1: No, (laughs) No? I actually really enjoyed your piece because it was just like, because you were just like this burst of color in like this (laughs) – otherwise like it was just very it was very aesthetically pleasing it wasn't but, but that's
0: but, I, but, but I that's what i meant though
1: yeah i don't i don't, I don't know if it was pretty mm. but it was aesthetically pleasing
0: i'm using both to mean the same but yeah okay
1: yeah. i'm not cuz okay. when i think of pretty okay, i no. think of like flowers i no. think of like glitter i no, think of yeah yeah
0: i'm i'm talking about it pretty like I, got, I I you know I was a pa- I came from a painting background so I do th- I think when I say pretty or aesthetically pleasing I mean thinking about like you, composition the, the color how colors match mm-hmm. um, and a, a lot of times I do think of my videos as like moving paintings.
1: I you know what so being at Cooper I think has affected has has shifted how I understand color mm-hmm. so when I was at Cooper I was like. The, the color teacher that I had, color theory teacher that I had, was all about muted colors. All about muted colors sort of giving this, like, mm. you know, earthy feel. Yeah. And I just could not deliver that. I was, like, super. He, he would he would, always, like, hate what I did because he was, like, it's all the same tone. Uh-huh. It's just all saturated. and It's yeah, all the same yeah, tone. Yeah. And then I basically told him, fuck you. Like, and... <laughs> and made very saturated work. Um as a protest. Yeah. And now I feel like
0: <laughs> uh, he's, he's he's slowly
1: he's slowly coming. He's in. won he's yeah, won the he's war. He's kind of won the war. <laughs> Fuck you. Um no, but like I now now I I use the the color of the materials that yeah, I use. Yeah, yeah. So chalkboards, like I, I That's yeah, sort of yeah, my yeah. restriction. Yeah, like yeah.
0: You let you let the material
1: be the aesthetic. Be, be
0: the aesthetic. Yeah.
1: And so then it's not going to always be pretty. Yeah. It's just going to be what it needs to be. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I really respond to work that is sort of like it is what it needs to be because then it shows the beauty of what, what it, that's why that's why I like your your mm-hmm. video because, it needed to be that. Yeah. It's, you're, you know, you're not, you're not throwing glitter all over the place to not, sort of not represent yet. something. Oh, okay. Is I, that? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Glitter is a double. Um, <laughs> it just gets everywhere. I know. It gets everywhere. Even, even if you're not around glitter, it somehow oh, finds yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: When or when people put glitter on themselves, and all of a sudden you find that you've got you've you've taken you've their glitter. You've
1: taken their glitter. It's like yeah. I didn't want this. I feel violated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyway, on that note,
0: glitter. Oh, glitter. where where can people find you? How do, uh yeah?
1: Oh, so I mm, I go by my full name. Mm-hmm. It's on my website. Ariel Renee Jackson.
0: Renee? Yeah. How do you spell Renee?
1: R-E-N-E. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's arielreneejackson.com. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is my website. It's the same Ariel Renee Jackson studio is my Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about Twitter. Okay. <laughs> and, you don't use it? Barely. Yeah. It's- uh, I have a hard time using Twitter. Yeah. It's at Confusorella. Okay. That's kind of why I don't really
0: use it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Brings back too many memories. You can make a new one
0: called Ariel Renee Jackson.
1: Yeah, but then I'd have no followers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you do care. You do care. <laughs> I'd lose all of the the little that you, I can have. You, can't
0: you change your Twitter handle?
1: Can I? I thought you can. Maybe I can. Yeah, I'll look into it. Yeah,
0: but and then you, and and then you have your show opening at Sculpture Center. Opens when?
1: I have a show opening. Actually, I have a show opening tonight. December
0: first. What? <laughs> what? Wait, we're going. I thought we were going to a party, but you have no, no, no. no. This is
1: in San Francisco. Oh, oh we're not oh, okay. going there. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, you have a show. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to my opening. I'm yeah. David Hammonds. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's in San Francisco at the Guerrero Gallery. Um, okay. It's a show about uh, or thinking about the contemporary influences of W. Du Bois. Different graphs okay. that he made, sort of trying to turn uh, graphs that make sense of sort of information pertaining to black people at the time. Yeah, so anyway, so that's at in San Francisco from now until January 15th, actually. So oh, as right, soon as right. that show ends, yeah, then Sculpture Center will start and that goes on until March sometime, okay, and then. I think I think that's it.
0: And then you got your thesis.
1: And then I have my thesis. I'll be graduating in May, and then I'll be attending the Crystal Bridges Museum in, in the fall. Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh my gosh, the Walmart Museum. I know. Yeah. It's gonna be there. John Walton. Yeah, I'm
0: like. Well, I my friend you I, I you're gonna meet him tonight, okay. he was like he he showed at Crystal Bridges and he was like worried. Really. Yeah he show um for their first show when at their inaugural show and they just invited all people of color because of course yeah and he was like he was worried but then he 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 was driving his car from the airport and he's like i see walmart and i see taco bell i feel okay why was he worried he didn't know what to expect he's from vegas
1: he, oh, he didn't know what to expect from Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody knows what yeah, to no. expect from so, Arkansas. he's like, "I'm Vegas. I'm,
0: I'm like, I'm like a, a Latinx like gay man, and like, yeah, what, what you know, like, what am I supposed to do here in the the wilderness of Arkansas? Where like." People got lynched and has a history of that, and then yeah, and then so. But he was like, I saw Walmart, which Vegas has tons of, and I saw Taco Bell.
1: Civilization. Yes. (laughs) See that. See that would scare me though if I saw Walmart and Taco Bell. Be Uh, like, for him, I I guess it was comforting. Walmart is not comforting for me, but it is interesting because they have the museum. Yeah. And I'm all about trying to know what they're what they're about. Yeah. Um. And then also Frank Lloyd Wright. He made the building. Frank Lloyd Wright has a building on the property, okay. I think. Yeah. Frank Lloyd Wright definitely has a building. I don't know if it's on the property mm-hmm. or if it's outside, but I am trying to go there because mm-hmm. I love Frank Lloyd yeah. Wright's architecture. I, I, I grew up on him because my stepdad w- wanted to be a full-on architect, yeah. but he never actually like got there. And so he would just have all these books, books about on, oh, yeah. Frank Lloyd Wright. And, um, so
0: have you been to like, Falling Water
1: I haven't been to any Chicago? Frank right Wright. You know, Chica- you know,
0: Chicago is a big Franklin Lloyd Wright area. No, because that's where he started, and he actually, oh. he actually, this is like we should end, but we we uh, he he started out there in the first house that he bought there. He was working for a firm, and he was secretly like he wasn't supposed to make other houses, but he was secretly like making houses for his neighbors.
2: Oh. To, I think,
0: I'm not sure, both probably to practice and also to make additional money. So it's like this entire block of like unofficial Frank Lloyd Wright houses, but they're every you go there and it's acknowledged that they're Frank Lloyd Wright houses. Oh, that's so dope. <laughs> yeah. And so he was based in Ch- Chicago. So they are like Frank Lloyd Wright tours and mm. like he's designed a lot of stuff.
1: I mean like, okay, I, I may be like, when I say I love Frank Lloyd Wright, when I think about him, I think of my childhood. Mm um because of those books yeah but i now that i'm an adult it's like i don't want to i want you to ruin
0: that that
1: no it's not even that i just i want to actually know what he's about um, like I, it's weird like yeah. when i was a kid i knew the buildings and i knew they were really cool yeah. and that he had some like he his, his very general concept he wanted things
0: in a very specific way
1: Yeah. So, like, I want to know everything about him just to... His favorite color was Cherokee red.
0: We can end on that.
1: (laughs) Ooh. See, you're going to, like, ruin everything (laughs) for me.
0: (laughs) Cherokee red. That's his favorite color. Why, Frank? A lot of these interiors were painted Cherokee red.
1: Isn't it just red? <laughs> I guess, just, yeah, I think that? it was Cherokee
0: red. Is one of those. Is one of those like yeah. racist colors.
1: Yeah, but. bitch, this is red. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, thank you, Ariel.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Seeing color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Ziyuan Chung Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website www.seeingcolorpod.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoyed this show, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give Seeing Color a five star review. This really helps others discover the show and provides greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.